Well, holy crap. Holy crap, indeed. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the 92nd Annual Critically Acclaimed Academy Awards Wrap-Up. Wait, that's not right. Welcome to the critically acclaimed wrap-up of the 92nd Annual Academy Awards. I'm George Pinocchio, and thank you for tuning in to ABC. My name is William Bibiani. I'm a film critic for the rap and Bloody Disgusting, and everybody calls me Bibbs. My name is Whitney Seibold. I'm a film critic for IGN, and people sometimes call me Rockmeister McCool. <laughs> I say that with a, a, a little bit of restraint. Mm-hmm. People do call you that. Mm-hmm. They do. For reasons. (laughs) And uh, we just, like, about an hour ago, as of this recording, uh, finished watching the Academy Awards on television. Yeah, the -hmm. Academy Awards are an annual tradition for a lot of film lovers. Mm -hmm. I know... um, you know, there's a there's a standard narrative around that they don't actually mean much, and to an extent, they don't. But they're fun, and they are also for posterity. They go into record books, so the things that win or get nominated kind of matter. Case in point, uh, think of all the films that like people were talking about. Maybe they'll get Oscar nominations. That for the last month, since we found out they were completely snubbed. We haven't talked about as much. Mm-hmm. We haven't talked about The Farewell as often as we should have. Because it was only oh. for Academy Awards. Well, you and I have. But, well, you know, yeah, we love that movie. I've, I've, I've asked me how many times I've talked about The Lighthouse or Portrait of a Lady on Fire or you know, yeah. Pain and Glory or some of my favorite movies of the year. Well, granted, I'm, and of I'm course still, we talk about some of the snubs. Those flicks, but yeah. And we talk about some of the snubs, but you know, again, it just sort of dies down a little bit. There was a time when it seemed like Jennifer Lopez was a shoe-in for Best Supporting Actress. Hustlers didn't get nominated for anything, mm-hmm. and this, the conversation about Hustlers died down, didn't it? Bit of a shame, because it's a great movie, but yeah. it will always yeah. be a great movie, and uh, the movies that won the Academy Awards this year will always have won the Academy Awards this year, unless there's some weird retroactive rule thing that I cannot predict. Sorry, Brad Pitt, we've decided that everyone with P names no longer has an Oscar. Oh, wouldn't that be keen? Some <laughs> some weird tyrants took over for the MPAA and just started shuffling around Oscars to their content. Yeah, like it's t- actually, taking away Oscars from people posthumously and giving them to other people posthumously. A little correction there: MPA has nothing to do with the oh, so, or, or um, MPAS. Yeah, and the American Motion Picture Associate, the American Motion Pictures Arts and the Association of Motion American Picture Arts, Arts and, and Sciences. Sciences. Thank yeah. you. I knew I was thinking, <laughs> MPA is different. MPAS. MPAS. Uh, so yeah, so the Academy Awards were given out. We're going to go through the awards uh, as they were given out. Mm. We're going to talk a little bit about the ceremony itself, um, which was, frankly, a little unremarkable in a lot of ways. There are a couple was, of odd moments that we can discuss. but uh, The oddest moment, well, f- f- the first moment that made me feel kind of sick was when uh, they came out in the cat suits. James Corden. And, oh, yeah. And, uh, uh, hold on, hold on. Right. Stop, stop <laughs> Speaking of cats... <laughs> No, uh, Cats was one of the worst films of the year, and they the two of the actors from Cats came out dressed in some really awful cat suits to remind you of that. And um, you know what? I actually thought that was a good gag. It it was a good gag. Here's the issue: there was no like there was no acid. There's no bile. Does there need to be? No, but 
well, why, yeah, actually, why would yes. you want acid yes, and violin? Yes, it's not the Razzies. No, but you know, kind of taking the year as a whole and acknowledging everything that went on is is just fine. And I think when you have a host, they're usually there to kind of take the piss out of the evening a little bit. Yep. Uh, you know, it is all about this sort of ceremony, this opulence, and mm-hmm. I think a host is there to sort of keep things a little bit more casual, keep things on track. Yeah. The last two years we haven't had a host, which means the ceremony has felt really perfunctory and really kind of generic. One thing they and, added this year that was really weird was mm-hmm. they had famous people come on stage specifically to introduce famous people. D- like, who are going to present awards. Like yeah. Kelly Marie Tran came on stage mm-hmm. and like, oh cool, I wonder what she's going to present. Turns out she's going to present someone else. And mm-hmm. she had about as much screen time as she had in Rise of Skywalker. And I'm <laughs> like, what? why did we... She, surely, she surely an announcer right. could have done that. I mean, I, Kelly, I understand yeah. star power, but Kelly at the Marie same Tran, time, yeah. Kelly, weird. Kelly Marie Tran, by the way, was having a blast. She was oh, so sure. happy to be there. Good for her. Yeah. I don't begrudge... Good. I'm glad mm-hmm. that she was there. I'm glad you got to have a moment. But when you replace just having... Steve Martin or Whoopi Goldberg or whoever else you get to host the Cadmores. Instead of just having Steve Martin just say, ladies and gentlemen, Miss Kelly Marie Tran, yeah. when you have someone else come on every single time, it creates, I think, even more of this air of false pageantry mm. where like everyone gets to talk about how awesome everyone is. Yeah, this, yeah. And it's like, I, I, it is the night where Hollywood gets to pat itself on the back for having such good taste in movies. And yeah, when you have all of these extra people just talking about how great everyone is, I, I get I'm, I get a little sugar sugar yeah. sick after a while. I think I think you need something to take the piss out of the night, but I also think you can't go as far as Ricky Gervais goes at the Golden Globes. No, I'm not talking. He's about... actively unhappy to be there and just getting a paycheck, and and he says as much. Yeah, and, like uh, I, you can do both. Like I still think the perfect Oscar host, but if you don't go with the Muppets, and honestly, Disney owns ABC now, so they why, have for a why while. Not have the Muppets? Host host yeah, the why not? Or? It'd be wonderful. Wonderful. But because people would see it anyway, just because it's a new Muppet show. Mm. But even if you take that away, Pat Oswalt. <laughs> he loves well, and, movies. And, He's or, uh, very funny. He's star of hit TV shows. Yeah. Multiple, well, at least one of them is on ABC, I think. I'm kind of surprised. I know he's up for a, an award this year, but I'm surprised someone like Martin Scorsese, like who's a filmmaker mm. but also a film scholar, yeah. can come out and sort of speak very wisely and, and you know, off the cuff about how great cinema is and where these things sort of stand in the in terms of cinema. I would really really like a better appreciation for history. I'm I'm I don't want to go back to the days where there were endless montages or well, endless more, or or, or tons of like interpretive you, dance. You you talk about well, it was a live show and that's what sure. they were, they were sort of playing into the theatricality. I, I understand I can appreciate why that. they did the live dances. I never liked watching them, but I understand why. A lot of them seemed the arbitrary. Monta- like, why are we tapping mm-hmm. to the score to Thin Red Line? That seems kind of <laughs> arbitrary to me. The, the montages are only great if you are A, familiar with the clips that they're showing, and B, have an affection for all of the films and the clips they're showing. I disagree. So, I think it has value if you're introducing people to some stuff, too. As long as it's clear, like, you have a thing on here, like... Here's a case in point. Mm. One of the few montages they actually did this year mm. was, like, a dedication to songs we love from movies. Mm. Fine. Which seemed like a campaign to get a Best Music Supervision Oscar. Kind which, of. Which, sure, because a lot I support that. Of, because a lot of the songs that they showed clips of weren't mm. original songs for the various films. There was mm. uh, Reservoir Dogs, Stuck in the Middle with You was in there. That's not an original song at all. It's now mm. indelibly associated with that film. I'm not saying it's not a great choice, but it's an odd choice. But when I'm watching this 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 montage, 
And I keep I kept waiting for some evidence that the people who assembled this montage knew movies existed before Rocky. <laughs> because Rocky was the baseline. And then towards the end, they threw in one, The Graduate. Mm. So 1967. They, at the Academy Awards, the 92nd annual Academy Awards, celebrating all of cinema history and going back as far as the silent era. Yeah. The... There, there were no representation, even a montage full of representation of classic songs of any songs before the ni- mid 1960s. Mm-hmm. Nothing. No Casablanca. No. No Fred Astaire and Ginger Rogers. No Moon River. Nothing. Well, they were paying homage to Mary Poppins for fuck's yeah, sake. They were paying homage to some. Well, any musical. Uh, they any were musical. Pay, they were paying homage to a very specific type of use of music, mm. which is a much more modern phenomenon. Also, I think a lot of the people in the academy are either uh, getting younger. I mean, people like our age are sort of getting into the sort of academy voting pool, sure. as it were. <laughs> And, and younger. Yeah, yeah. But it's. Uh, I, I thought it was very interesting when to watch the Academy Awards. I watched it with my mother the year uh, John Hughes died. Mm. And John Hughes got a really big tribute. He wasn't just in the memorial reel. They actually brought out a lot of the stars of his movies, and they came out and talked about how great he was. Yeah, he was a big deal. And he, well, he, he, he was a big deal sort of in the mid-80s. If you were a teenager in the 80s, mm-hmm. and you saw some of his movies like The Breakfast Club, and mm-hmm. you were really touched by sort of how weirdly miraculous his off-the-cuff, yet very earnest conversations between teenagers were. Right. Uh, You can tell that that was done by somebody of a very particular age. Not necessarily agreed upon by the entire voting body of the Academy. So I feel like when you see a montage like the use of song in cinema, we're referring to the way people of a certain age have come to see cinema and come to see certain artistic uh, choices that have only begun in a very modern sense, depending on the age of the person who saw it. No, I will actually uh, grant you this because the mm. history of the use of pre-existing pop songs in cinema is actually really interesting, and yeah. it really was not a thing. There were certain songs that were well-known standards that would well, pop up we, in movies, but the idea of think this of is as, a hit pop song. Yeah, what we think of as a hit pop song. Uh, I guess I guess technically that started with the Billboard charts, and that wasn't until like the fifties when that mm, that started yeah. properly. And so, but, and, but and, there was the, the Charleston. I mean, there were there were but that's hit n- that's songs. Not, there were hit songs, but that's not what we think of as no, I, a quote I, pop song. But we yeah. can we can in, insist upon that there must be a, a simple one to one ratio mm. of comparison throughout all of history. Media has changed over the years, yeah. Uh, which is exactly my point. Like until. And and as with any sort of milestone in cinema, mm-hmm. saying only one film did it, or this is the 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 lodestone upon which the n- next wave mm-hmm. emerged, is reductive and simplistic. But yeah. a lot of people would would point to uh, the the short films of Kenneth Anger, yeah, as yeah. a significant. Even though they're, they weren't like huge theatrical releases, people saw them. People were inspired by them. The short films of Kenneth Anger, in particular, a film called Scorpio Rising pioneered the use of using pre-existing pop songs ironically to create a thematic context. If you've never seen Scorpio Rising, you should. It gets a little blue, I'm going to warn you. It's not a G-rated thing. It starts off seeming pretty benign, and then it gets really crazy. But it's basically a, looking at various people in a biker gang, and there's this almost nostalgic, even though it was relatively contemporary, uh, use of 
pop songs from the 1950s, largely mm. about you know the hot rod and motorcycle mm. sort of trends of the era. Rough trade. Yeah, and then as the short progresses, you realize that all of these sort of imagery and these music of Americana are being used not just to talk about bikers, but to talk about a very specific subset of bikers <laughs> that Kenneth Anger clearly finds very interesting and clearly wanted to film. Um, but, that, but that, very specifically, I remember reading about this, uh, led Martin Scorsese to start incorporating pre-existing pop songs yeah. in his work, and, and Martin Scorsese helped popularize that for the future. Yeah. Um, so, if, but, if you but, want to see a much more direct corollary, watch the films of John Waters. Oh, yeah. John Waters is is a child of Kenneth Anger. Absolutely. So, yeah. but, uh, but even then, like there's that middle period where they, they played a clip from uh, Graduate. <coughs> With yeah. uh, Simon and Garfunkel, mm. those were original songs for that movie. Mm. Those were not pre-existing songs. Those are original songs for that film. I think maybe we could have gone back to Hard Day's Night because I think not all of those songs were originally written for Hard Day's Night. Yeah, maybe that could have functioned if you wanted to stick with that groove and go back as far as you can. Also, it's the Beatles; people know them. <laughs> um, but yeah, we used to get more of our pop songs from movies. Yeah, and, and not and the well, other way around. So and you we, and I were teenagers yeah. in the 1990s uh, when pop soundtracks could recoup the losses of a film's budget. Yeah, they were such big business. Yeah, 100. Uh, and yeah, the, the it was a golden era for you know the film soundtrack. A really really cruddy film could have an amazing soundtrack record, and you could listen to the Godzilla soundtrack over and over again. That's or, a good soundtrack. Or Dead Man on Campus. Great soundtrack. Uh, yeah. That's that's an awful film, but it's a great soundtrack. Yeah. No, that's that's totally the yeah, way of it. And films like you know the Basketball Diaries wouldn't really be known if it weren't for their soundtracks. Yep. Um, <coughs> going back to something else we were talking about though, the other the moment just mm. because otherwise I think we'll skip past it. Mm. Uh, the cats moment where we knew <laughs> cats is cats is everyone's punchline right now. And I just want I want to give a shout out to Rebel Wilson and James Corden for putting themselves on the front lines and taking the brunt of the joke. Yeah. For getting uh, in the full like. Not quite the original cast of Cats outfits, but like a modern updated version of it with a bit more, look like more like a mascot costume, yeah, a little yeah, bit, yeah. especially on Corden. Um, but it was, I actually admired the efficiency of that joke because I'm like, oh, this is going to be belabored as hell. Mm. This is going to be awful. This is going to be apologetic. It's going to suck. They go out to introduce the best visual effects, and the gag was essentially them in their cat costumes. Nobody understands the importance of visual effects. More than us, the stars of Cats. Mm. The nominees, are, and everyone's just like, oh yeah, fair enough. Yeah. And then at the end, when they were like getting ready to announce it, when they started batting at the microphone, mm. that was cute. That was cute. That mm. was momentarily cute. It went on like it went on like five seconds too long. The, the, it started getting old, but like for a second, it was funny. The bit was more entertaining than Cats. That's probably well, <laughs> maybe not as hypnotic as Cats, yeah, but inter- but more intentionally entertaining. Mm. Sure. Um, tell me about okay, so. Mm. Just before uh, the Oscar ceremony begins, like six minutes before it begins, mm. I find out I have to run, make an emergency run to the grocery store. We need something right. really important. It's not, a, it's not a thing. So I missed this opening musical number everyone was making fun of. All right. Well, Janelle Monet came out and sing and sang. And <sighs> oh, I love Janelle yeah, Monae. And Janelle, well, who doesn't love Janelle Monae? She's, she's the new prince. Yeah. She's, she's, she's amazing and perfect. And she is talking about, wow, how great all of this representation. And as a queer black woman, I'm so happy to be here. And then you realize that there actually isn't a lot of representation in the nominees. Yeah, um, they did a lot of that. A lot of like stuff about, you know, mm. talk about all the great women who, who make movies. And I'm like, yeah, did you nominate most of them? Because yeah, you Gre- didn't. Greta Gerwig's here. 
She's not nominated, but she's but here. She's not for adapted screenplay. For, for, yeah, well, not for directing, though. But, true, um, true. But, uh, yeah, but some was, of the self-congratulations seemed really disingenuous this the, year. And there was a really strange opening number with all of these uh, very enthused, very you know, very good dancers. But they're dressed as characters from 2019 movies. So we have people dressed as the Tethered from Us in this dance line. Uh, we have, Tethered, Which was uh, not nominated for any Academy no, Awards. No, we, we have a whole line of Rudy Ray Moores from Dolomite Is My Name. Which was also not nominated yeah. for literally any uh, Academy Awards. Janelle Monet went up to the Midsommar dancers and got a, like a, a floral coat at one point. Point, also kind of not. Do it, you yeah. think that they put those in there to sort of as like, as yeah. like an apology for not nominating? I think any so. Of it's those? like, because and these it were good. As, and these were good movies too, sort of yeah. thing. Well, I mean, yeah. that's a nice idea, but like mm-hmm. at the same time, it's like, imagine you don't follow the Academy Awards, uh-huh. and all of a sudden you see all this stuff from us. I'm like, oh, did, did us get nominated mm-hmm. for nothing? And the, the Oscars didn't like us. No, no, no. But they put, but they want credit for the. They want credit because oh. Hollywood made movies that have representation in them that we're not giving awards to. Yeah. It, it 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 did sort of ring a little bit hollow. Yeah. Then they brought out two former Oscar hosts, it was Steve Martin and Chris Rock, and they made a few of the, the self-deprecating jokes. They both seemed a little uncomfortable to be there. For a second, I thought they were just going to host. Because that's basically I, I what they were they doing. Would, it was an open yeah. monologue. It was fine. It was brief. It the, was... The, the joke I liked was Chris Rock said, Martin Scorsese, I loved the first season of The Irishman. I thought that was, that, bit. that was a cute joke. That's um, fine. Uh, but yeah, there, there was no sort of... Uh, self-deprecation. There was yeah. no kind of... Taking the, I think I grew up watching Billy Crystal. He was my, he's my Oscar host. When Yo, I think he of was, the best he Oscar did it for, host for years, for years and years and years. So yeah. Billy Crystal is is the perfect Oscar host in my mind. And he was and really he was, good. He was kept it funny, kept it light. Always had a good monologue. He, he had he had a good monologue. He made fun of himself, but he also made fun of of voting habits in the Academy. Yeah. I remember uh, in 1997, uh, as good as it gets, was nominated for Best Picture, but James L. Brooks, the director, wasn't nominated for. Wasn't nominated for best director, yeah. so uh, the joke was, you know, th- it's everybody's everybody's out here tonight, and some people just aren't here tonight. Uh, some people are invisible, like uh, the, the director of As Good as It Gets. Yeah. Some, some joke like you'll never see. James Elbrus was there, but you know, yeah, you he, know, I he, get it. He yeah. was ignored by the Academy, and he made a joke about how the Academy snubbed someone. I, Whoopi to Goldberg, their faces. Whoopi yeah. Goldberg did the similar joke when mm-hmm. Baz Luhrmann was a nominator for Moulin Rouge because mm-hmm. they didn't really do it this year. But most years of the Academy Awards, in my memory, they would take a moment to highlight specific Best Picture nominees, give them their own montage. Yeah, yeah. And there was one where Whoopi Goldberg, if memory serves, she came. Out and, said, and, uh, and of course Moulin Rouge, which directed itself. Yeah, because <laughs> <laughs> that one didn't get a nomination. It was ridiculous. So, like, I, if there I was ever like, a director stamp on a movie, it's Moulin yeah, Rouge. I, I, I mean, feel like Billy Crystal was the master of that, but yeah. uh, you know, everybody did that. And then, of course. Uh, the year David Letterman hosted, I think he did a great job. He, David Letterman, he great, gets a bum rap. He was uh, fine. He, he was, was not yeah. remarkable in any way. And there was a, at least one. The whole Oprah Uma thing landed with a thud. But like the Oprah Uma thing was done, dumb. But the I'm going to have a lot of really famous people read my single line of dialogue from Cabin Boy was hilarious. I appreciated that he took the piss out of himself yeah. with Cabin Boy. I appreciated mm. the extra press he gave Cabin Boy. Yeah, that's a, <laughs> a stupid ass yeah. but very funny movie. And then then he got. Paul Newman to say, would you like to buy a monkey? Yeah. <laughs> Let's move on. Uh, so that was the opening of the Academy Awards. It was fine. First award came up, and no surprises, it was Best Supporting Actor, and it went to Brad Pitt. Mm-hmm. Brad Pitt had a reasonably nice speech. 
I thought he was very uh, yeah. so- somewhat self-effacing, which I appreciate. He, he gave a shout out to Mike Moe, who plays Bruce Lee in mm-hmm. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, which I thought was really great. And also to, he plays a stuntman in the movie, and yeah. uh, he gave a, a shout out to stunt coordinators. As well he should Which, uh, you know, don't get credit at the Oscars. Yeah. There's no stunt category. Um, Honestly, like, Brad Pitt is one of those people, I, I have two feelings about this. Mm. Well, three. One, I'm not a huge fan of his performance in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I've said this before. I think when you watch the film and everything you learn about his character, his like super suave, mm-hmm. chill, laid back portrayal, I don't think it really clicks with everything we know about him, and I don't think they really do the work to make it like yeah. make sense. However, Brad Pitt is a very hardworking actor. Mm-hmm. He's been Oscar worthy in other films before. He's produced a lot of great films. I'm not begrudging him this Oscar at mm-hmm. all. He's not who I would have voted for. I would have voted for Joe Pesci. But fine. And mm-hmm. if we're gonna give an Academy Award to someone who is one of the great like box office superstars, you know, the most handsome person alive, mm-hmm. re- they, he, he didn't give a smug speech, and I yeah. appreciated that. Uh, Hollywood does like to give awards to movie stars from time to time, yeah. just to sort of remind us that you know they are part of this movie star system. And to, occasionally, to be you know, fair, sometimes they give great performances. Oh, that's that's fine. Yeah, that's they, all well and good. Yeah. Uh, there are many movie yeah. stars who have won an Academy Award and deservedly so. Mm. You know, I, like, I like that Olivia Coleman came out and you mm-hmm. know, was, oh yeah, they give an Academy Award to Olivia Coleman yeah. for this really bonkers film. It's a weird <laughs> this, way this, if you this, think about this it. really weird twisted lesbian romance about British court. Uh, the next Academy Award they gave out was for best animated feature. I appreciate mm-hmm. them doing a couple of big ones right at the beginning because when they, I was a kid, they used they to do all out, the yeah. small ones at first, and people just got a little bored. Oh. Um, but uh, yeah, it was best animated feature, and I'm never counting on Pixar again. <laughs> I don't. I honestly wonder if if there are members of the Academy who don't bother watching the stuff that isn't put out by Disney. Yeah, uh, Missing Link was getting a, a, a few awards here and there leading up to the Academy Awards. We both predicted uh, it would win. Yeah, it just, I, I thought it was going to. People or? seemed a little cold on Toy Story Four. Mm. You didn't hear a lot of buzz for it. Mm. Toy Story Part Four won Best Animated Feature. Just broke everybody's office pool, and it was all downhill from there. Um, <laughs> That's not so bad. With the next, <laughs> the next, uh, the next one was for animated feet, animated short. Mm. It was for Hair Love. I did like that they paired the animated categories and the documentary categories together. Makes sense. Ordinarily, they do the features separate and they like lump the shorts together. Yeah. Um, and I like that they split it up. I, think it, I yeah. think it does, too. For people who have a limited interest in the shorts because they haven't seen them, it's, you're not likely to tune out mm. at that point. But yeah, Hair Love uh, won the Academy Award for Best Animated Short. Um, it wasn't either of our personal favorites, but I think we can all agree it's a good short and that mm. it has... A lot to offer, and then I think it's actually an important short. Justice for Kit Bull. Kit Bull was so fucking <laughs> good, though. Um, and that was a Pixar short, so go figure. Technically, it was yeah. a Pixar short. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, uh, you were a big fan of Memorable yeah. as well, which is a very, very, very beautiful short. Mm. Um, we had a big performance of Into the Unknown. Uh, with mm. a whole bunch of... Uh, uh, International voice actors. Yeah, yeah, which I actually really thought was a neat idea. I, I appreciate that, because... Um, I, I don't know if you do this. I'm the kind of busybody that if I have alternate language tracks on my on my DVDs, I'll turn it on occasionally. Mm. This is more common with like animated fare, so I've watched entire episodes of like Futurama in French. Sure. Um, well, especially if you already know the dialogue, it can actually be a useful way to learn a language. Yeah, there, there's a really, uh, in fact, that reminds me. There's a really funny gag in uh, in an episode of Futurama where. Uh, 
they bring out a universal translator. I invented this universal translator, but it only translates into gibberish. Somebody says hello into the box, and it says bonjour. <laughs> and then uh, what did that translate? Well, to? then then I turned on uh, I turned on the Spanish language check and uh, Spanish language track, and the character said hola, and the machine said bonjour. And then I turned on the French language track, and it says bonjour, and the machine said guten tag. There you go. <laughs> That's fine. That's yeah. funny. Um, but no, this is something that I think it's we obviously with Parasite winning, which mm. again we'll talk about that in detail. But holy crap, that's, I didn't mm. think they'd be that cool. Uh, <laughs> but like, there's a lot of sort of international representation at the Academy Awards, and there has been for a while. Mm. Had, the last decade has seen tons of Academy Award wins from films by, in particular, Guillermo del Toro, Fonza Cuarón, Alejandro mm. González Iñárritu. And now we're getting a lot from uh, uh, South Korea, but we don't always necessarily engage with how movies are uh, sort of ingested mm. by other cultures. And yeah, in a lot of other countries all over the world, they they dub movies, especially animated movies, because why why not? Mm. And people get it just as attached to those voice actors. Yeah, there yeah. Are, there are voice actors who are famous for specifically dubbing one Hollywood actor like mm-hmm. these. Oh yeah, I'm I'm Italy's Tom Cruise. Like that's a thing. That's <laughs> like, a thing. Like, like literally, I'm yeah. the voice of Tom Cruise. Yeah, and if if you if you keep casting that person to play that actor because you know them, so you know Frozen is as big a deal all over the world as it is in America. It's enormously popular. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, kids have a huge affection for all of the Elsas. <laughs> and having that many of them in one room, that's cool. That is cool. That is cool. Someone complained online that uh, you know they should have been um, subtitled. And I'm so, like, yeah, you don't sure, f- surely you heard the song already. Yeah, yeah. I, I got to tell you something. If you actually give a crap out of that song, you probably know the words of that song. Like, you probably heard your kids sing it over and mm-hmm. over again. Uh, okay, let's see. Um, also, just hearing... The point is hearing the language. It's not about knowing yeah. the lyrics. Okay, so the next win was mm-hmm. Best Original Screenplay, which... Mm-hmm. Uh, was Parasite. Mm-hmm. I, I was a little surprised at this point, but I was very happy because it's a really great screenplay. And, mm. I, you know, non-English language screenplays have won this category before and actually have for, for, for decades. I think most recently it was Talk to Her. Maybe. I'd have to look that up. There might have been um, one since, but I think yeah. the most recent non-English language win in original screenplay, I think that was Talk to Her. Um... And which was also up for best uh, international film that year, although it wasn't called that at the time. Um, I'm honestly, I'm just impressed mm. because Parasite is an exceptionally good screenplay. It's really intelligent. It is feels like a familiar genre film, even though it doesn't play by any rules. So it's always incredibly surprising. Mm. Um, but this is actually a pretty good year for the category. Knives Out was also nominated. That's a mm. nice, that's a really tight little screenplay. Uh, I, Knives Out is one of those films that was. Uh it's a bit of an audience darling. Uh, I mean, yeah. critics liked it, but it was just sort of uh, the, the dark horse, and I thought it was going to win. I, I, I think it has shot. Well. It has shot, but like it's been a while since the cool nominee mm-hmm. for original screenplay has won. Like the one because like because like every once in a while it'll be a film that like doesn't get anything else, like I don't know, the big short. Mm-hmm. But like it's been a while since the film the outlier cool nominee actually won in that category. I think it's actually hasn't been since The Mm. Usual Suspects. 
which was a film that was only nominated in two categories and won both of those categories. Let's see. It looks like maybe the first one might have been Divorce Italian Style in 1961. Well, wasn't technically like the Red Balloon? Didn't that technically win, even though it was a silent, but it was French? It, yeah, the, I guess the screenplay was in French, even though so there's no dialogue. You could make that argument. Like, so you yeah. can make that argument, but yeah, it's but it's, but it's uh, oh, that was fifty fifty two. Yeah, I want to say late fifties, like fifty seven, yeah. fifty eight. Oh, yeah, fifty six. Okay, but yeah, that won best mm. uh, screenplay, right? It did. It won best screenplay. Yeah, uh, against uh, strangely enough, La Strada. Oh no shit! Yeah. Oh, all right. Well, let's see. There were lots of nominees, yeah. and indeed, there were nominees for best picture mm-hmm. uh, in other languages other than English sporadically throughout the years. But this is the first year any of them won. Good for Parasite. Uh, moving on, the next nomination was uh, the next one was for adapted screenplay. Oh wait, hang on. Best screenplay, nineteen fifty nine. Pillow Talk won that year. Uh-huh. It was up against North by Northwest, Operation Petticoat, The Four Hundred Blows, and Wild Strawberries. Wow, yeah. that's a weird. <laughs> Pillow Talk beat Wild Strawberries. And the 400 Blows. Wow. And North by Northwest. Okay, North by, okay, North by Northwest I can kind of picture, because in many respects it's kind of a structuralist screenplay. Well, yeah, I can yeah. kind of see that one losing to Pillow Talk, because Pillow Talk mm-hmm. is just conventional. The 400 Blows. The 400 Blows. And Wild Strawberries. Maybe they split their vote. Maybe they were too cool for the room. Like the art house crowd was seeing the, the Bergman film and the Truffaut Yeah, film. like there was like two different camps, like Bergman, Truffaut, and then they fight to the death. Meanwhile, Pillow Talk just sweeps up all the other... <laughs> yeah, Pillow Talk. I don't know, man. That's weird. But uh, Taika Waititi won Best uh, Adapted Screenplay mm. for Jojo Rabbit. The only uh, win Jojo Rabbit got, but it's a cool win, and I actually think it's well-deserved. Uh, Taika Waititi not only adapted a novel, but he brought a very new, particular, unique tone to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and attempted to use subversive humor to make a salient point that I think, boy, have I seen a lot of people missing that point lately. I've seen a lot of people just sort of saying, mm. Jojo Rabbit has jokes and it's set in World War II, therefore it's the worst thing ever. Well, the, uh, there was this notion that it elicits sympathy for Nazis, which it doesn't do. I don't think so. N- there's not, not a single... I mean, like Sam single, Rockwell, kind of. But but he's not. He's a Nazi, but you can tell he's sort of worn down by all of this. He's this kind of broad, comedic, drunk stereotype. Mm-hmm. And you also and, find out and he's that also it, really. Oh, he's a buffoon, and you, and you learn eventually that he doesn't really believe in any of this stuff. Yeah, and so, eventually he does sacrifice himself in order to save a child, yeah, so, which again isn't gr- doesn't necessarily make up for anything that he's done, but mm-hmm. does show that he's at least complicated. Um. Yeah, I don't think Jojo Rabbit does that. I don't no, think Jojo there's, Rabbit there's, makes there's... light of it at all. I think it, I think it shows how horrifying, like this kind of absurdity can be once people start taking it seriously. Yeah. Um, I, know, I think it's a great scene, but I, I love that it won. I, I still wish Greta Gerwig would have won. Yeah, but it's still a really, really good screenplay, yeah, and I don't exactly. begrudge Jojo Rabbit. Little, Little Women only won for costumes, so it is an Academy Award-winning film now. I do like that we can now finally—we're just always going to say it. Greta Gerwig's Oscar-winning film, Little Women. There you go. Um, there's a part of me that's kind of mad that if it only won one Academy Award, it was for uh, costumes, just because there's a perception that costumes typically goes to whatever film has the nicest dresses. Mm-hmm. And that this just reinforced and this, that. And this yeah. was the only one. Like the, all the others were the Irishman and the Joker, and like these are were Jojo Rabbit and these movies that aren't really about that kind of aesthetic. And Little Women isn't about that aesthetic either. There's only one scene in that movie where someone like really feels great about how they look, and mm. then it's taken away from them. Like it's, <laughs> it's not about. Mm. 
the, the, one of the things I love about that movie is how distinctive all the costumes are without any of them looking too pretty. Yeah. Because they're they're an impoverished family. Mm-hmm. Um, it's 100% deserved, and I love it. I, just, I, I would hate to find out that anyone at the Academy, even subconsciously, only gave it that category because they thought that's where that kind of movie belongs. Yeah. And that, sometimes I just worry about the optics. Yeah. I hope that's not the case. I'm glad it won the Academy Award. It deserved that Academy Award. It's what I would have voted for. Fair enough. Uh, moving on. Uh, best live action short went to The Neighbor's Window. It's the only American short. That's kind of easy to predict. Yeah, I look, actually, look, like, look, I'm look, actually look. almost, I, I gave, it's so weird. People are talking so, about, you know, this, this is revolutionary. Parasite won <clears throat> best screenplay, best director, best picture. And that's, yeah. uh, none of the actors were nominated. But people are saying, oh, this is really kind of a first because the, uh, foreign language film, uh, uh, non-English film has never won Best Picture at the Academy Awards. This nope. is a first. No um, film has ever won Best Picture and Best, and best International. International Picture. That's never happened and, before. And uh, Few have been nominated for both, but never... And, you know, people yeah. are saying, wow, this, the, the Academy is really sort of forward-thinking. You look at the rest of the categories, and it, they are really kind of re- backward and predictable in many ways. Well, not all of them. Uh, Some of them are better of, than you think, but uh, per, perhaps. But you I, know, think, something I actually like, think overall this was a pretty good year at the Academy. It, it was okay. It I mean, was there okay. wasn't enough representation in the mm. nominees, but based on the nominees mm. we got, the actual awards were pretty good. Mm. Um, one thing I've been thinking about since, because um, I just didn't give the Academy enough credit for being cool enough to vote for Parasite. Uh-huh. When you look at the recent list of of winners. Let's go back as far as Spotlight. Okay. You go Spotlight, you go Moonlight, mm-hmm. you go The Shape of Water, mm. Green Book? Yeah, Green Book is, no, and no, now, we have to run away. And now Parasite. Mm. That's like four really cool movies mm. and one really retro, <laughs> like just old, like schmaltzy. Like mm. what happened? Did people turn in their ballots backwards that year? Like what did they... <laughs> How do they do that was one? A, I, just, I, don't, a, I don't get what happened there. It was especially frustrating because Green Book won against uh, films that cover, covered similar topics in much better ways. By Black it's a Klansman, film, uh, Black Klansman, Black Panther, and Black Panther most notably. And Get Out. That's right. Same year, right? Yeah, there's a three three films that dealt very saliently with racism in America, uh, all of you know made by filmmakers of color, which was nice. And they gave it to the schmaltziest, least sophisticated film made by the white director. Mm-hmm. That one was frustrating. Uh, it was frustrating. Mm-hmm. One second, I think I might be remembering my mm-hmm. uh, best pictures wrong. I don't want to say. Let me find. Let me let me see where. No, Get Out was the year before. Was uh, it the year yeah. before? But yeah, but Black yeah, Clansman it was. But Black... Get Out was up against The Shape of Water. I was no. I was wrong about that. Yeah, but it uh, was up against Black Klansman and Black Panther. Mm-hmm. And fuck it, Roma. Like, it was a really good year. And then just mm. Green Book? Green Book. Dun. Green, yeah. How, could, Dun. how did that happen? Green Book beat. How did you do it, that? It, it, it's like literally the worst film. Like, like literally. Of like, those nominees. Uh, uh, Bohemian Rhapsody. <coughs> Pardon? If you're telling me the option was oh, Bohemian, Bohemian Rhapsody, Rhapsody, I'd be like, okay, Green Book bad. is slightly better than Bohemian Rhapsody. But that's not mm. saying much. <laughs> At all, mm. yeah. Uh, R- Rami Malek came out to present Best Actress. I'm like, oh right. You r- remember Bohemian Rhapsody was a thing. Whoops. So yeah, uh, The Neighbor's Window won uh, Best Short mm. Film. Uh, it's a very good short compared to the others. It feels kind of sanitized and safe. Yeah. So I was really thinking maybe they would lean towards one of the more mm. ambitious shorts, but The Neighbor's Window is very well structured. It's very well made. It just kind of just feels the most Hollywood out of all mm. of them. But it's, it's it's a good short. It's nothing wrong with it. Uh, the next up was Best Production Design, which went to Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, which 
I'm well again. I'm on record as not liking that movie. Mm-hmm. This is the Academy Award it should win. Okay. I think this is 100 percent earned. <laughs> they the level of detail and honestly the variety of sets that we saw that was replicating various aspects of Los Angeles and the Hollywood experience mm-hmm. in the 1960s is spot on. Like it's really <laughs> impressive. Like I will give it all the credit in the world for production design. I'm actually a little amazed it only took home two Oscars. Because I thought it had oh, a lot of traction. Yeah, it was that, and it was... Um, Brad Pitt. Brad Pitt, supporting actor. Um, a lot of people were uh, a little upset, that because Parasite was also up for production design. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I can't comment on Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, because I still work for Quentin Tarantino, but... Mm-hmm. Uh, you can say the fact it won. The, the, but like, it, you know. it, did, it did win. It's part of film history now. I can just sort of say that. Um, and the, the debate was, is Once Upon a Time in Hollywood going to win because they created a city? Or is Parasite going to win because they built a house? And uh, and that was sort of the debate we had uh, when yeah. we were doing our prediction podcast. I would argue that the production design of Parasite is more complicated than that. And I actually think that house is full of metaphor. I think it's a brilliant oh, piece absolutely. of production design. Yeah, that, that but I would argue, thing. Yeah, But yeah. I would argue that in the long run, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is a bit more award-worthy. Like, case mm-hmm. in point, um, Gangs of New York. I recently revisited Gangs of New York, which, by mm-hmm. the way, better than I remembered. Oh yeah, it's still sloppy. It's still too long, but there's so much good stuff in it. I, I was that was one of those films that I had to watch multiple times because I yeah. thought it might grow on me, and yeah. over the time I just realized it wasn't. Well, how long has that. it been since you tried? Uh, uh, since it came out, I, it's I, been I, like a, at least a decade. I saw it in theaters when it came out, mm-hmm. and then I saw it like once again on home video shortly afterwards, and then I wrote an article that was ranking and sort of putting in context all of Martin Scorsese's crime movies, mm-hmm. of which there are fewer than you might think. And I was being pretty generous in what I considered a crime movie. And Gangs of New York literally has gangs in the title, so I had to include it. <laughs> um, and I'm watching this, I'm like, okay, a couple of people, couple of people seem miscast. Cameron Diaz in particular feels like she's in an entirely different movie. Mm. I would actually argue Leonardo DiCaprio feels like he's in a different movie. But there are so many aspects of that production that are fucking astounding, and production design is one mm. of them. Mm. And I'm they, they, did, they did build pretty much a whole city from the ground up. No, so. and they did, and the level of detail on it is absolutely incredible, and it didn't win. Mm. Production design. I'm trying to remember what it was 2000, did. 2005? Might have been Chicago. Or? If it was... the No, because it wasn't. So it was 2002. It was, it was yeah. 2002. Well, it was 2002. Oh, was it? I think so, because uh, uh, Daniel Day-Lewis lost Best Actor to Adrian Brody. So it was oh, up against the, the, the piano, so, which would have put pianist, it, yeah, yeah, which would have been around 2002. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm looking up Academy Award for production design. Yeah, please do, please do. Out, I, I think it might have lost to Chicago, or maybe Lord oh. of the Rings. It's early. It might, oh, it might have been Lord of the Rings. It was. A, it would have yeah. been the second Lord of the Rings, but it would have been. Yeah, well, Two Towers was not made, and they see. didn't give it very many Academy Awards. The second uh, Lord of the Rings because probably no, the, already had. Let's see, uh, Lord of the Rings. Oh, Return of the King was. Oh, it's like a clean sweep, so it's actually beating stuff out like Master and Commander and The Last Samurai. Like, right, thing. but this Things one was the year before that. it. Um, 2002. Yeah, Gangs of New York lost to Chicago. Chicago is nowhere near as impressive a work of production as, Chica- oh, as God. Chicago beat out Frida, Gangs of New York, Lord of the Rings, and Road to Perdition. Those are all impeccable designs. And not that, actually, and again, production design is not Chicago's problem. Mm. It's also not the most impressive thing uh, you could have about it. And mm. really, Gangs of New York should have won that. Regardless of if the rest of it's sloppy, the production design is spot on. Mm. And I will say that about. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, I'll say it till the cows come home. Incredible production design, good for them. Uh, next up, we had Best Documentary Feature. 
uh, which went to American Factory. No, no surprise there. We, not a huge we, surprise. we, we had predicted that. Um, I th- yeah, it, and this is uh, it's another one that's kind of the outlier. The other ones are really intensely emotional, and this one's kind of cold. Well, it's cold. And I think the, the Academy loves to uh, give awards to films that are really political in a completely non-threatening way. And American Factory is something that's been going on for a really long time. It's up to the minute, but it's also kind of a continuing. Mm. phenomenon in America. If, uh, if anyone's um, listening who doesn't remember if, American Factory, yeah. it's a documentary. It's on Netflix right now. You can watch It's really good. Mm. Uh, and it is about an American factory in Ohio that would had failed and collapsed mm. and a Chinese corporation bought it and they wanted to sort of fuse American workers and American work environments with their uh, sort of Chinese methods of production and it ended up going really, really bad because mm. capitalism pretty much always does that. Yeah. And they ended up having all the same problems they had before because regardless of, of nationality, workforces Automa- automation are... Was the problem, automation yeah. is a big... Automation changes everything. Workforces are constantly exploited and there isn't a single corporation in the world that thinks unions should exist. Mm. Even though there is all the evidence in the world to suggest that by God they should. Um, uh, so this, American Factory is a very cynical movie in a lot of ways, but it's apt and it's observant. It's apt. It also might have been the only, frustratingly, mm. the only political thing that happened in the evening. Well, besides I, some I, acceptance speeches. Kind of? Some. There, there was, I was really kind of surprised that nobody brought up uh, the president's name or Disney, the Disney Corporation. Uh, uh, Brad no, Pitt brought up the idea of uh, adults finally doing the right thing or something like that, didn't uh, he? Some, it, something he about was, that, yeah. He alluded to it without actually yeah. saying it. Uh, and, and when Joaquin Phoenix won for Best Actor, he he talked about uh, exploiting animals. He used his... Why did that come about, out? Like He ended up really focusing on cows. Yeah. Which, so I, which is it's, actually it's the first, fine, uh, but... The first like, Oscar speech that uh, really involves kind of rambling. the, the ar- artificial insemination of cows. Um, that we know of. The, but it's true. I haven't seen all of the yeah, speeches. Maybe there might 1929. Have been some hide, that was really back big. In there. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, he, he uh, was all over the place. <laughs> I, like people are coming amazing. out. It's like, and, and then finally at the very end of the evening, uh, Jane Fonda, legendary Jane Fonda, yeah. comes out to present Best Picture, and it's like, oh, surely Jane Fonda, who is fresh from prison, by the way, she was in prison last night <laughs> yeah. for protesting. Yeah. She's in her 80s and she's protesting. Uh huh. Surely she's going to come out and just like start saying something, right? Yeah. Like, stir up the evening a little bit? Nothing. It was just so bland. There are people, completely non-confrontational. There are people who genuinely think that politics have absolutely no place in an event like this, mm. to which I say politics have a place wherever people want to discuss them because mm. they are inextricable from our lives. Yeah. So if I had a billion people watching, or whoever many actually watch the Oscars now, mm-hmm. and I know it's fewer all the time, but it's still in the tens of millions. Mm-hmm. Even even like I remember like two years ago or something, they were like, oh, "This is the lowest rated Oscars ever," and I'm like, "It was the third highest rated TV event of the year." <laughs> I I think the issue here is isn't that people are leaving the Oscars, is that people are leaving television, yeah, yeah, which is another concern, but it's not specifically the Oscars' fault. Um. But anyway, yeah, you're right. It would have been... Uh, now seems like the time. Yeah, yeah this year in particular? Kind perhaps, of seems like yeah. a big deal. Uh, next up was documentary shorts. Um, learning to skateboard... Um, mm. Was it... Was it? Wait, what's Learn, the full title? Learning, learning to skateboard in, in a war zone if you're a girl. In a war yeah. zone if you're a girl, yeah. Um, that one... Um, I'm actually a little surprised at one, not because it's not a nice uh, documentary, just because I found it a little... 
I just found the pacing kind of kind of draggy. Well, I mean, it's, it's about an inspiring tighter... subject. It's about young young women learning yeah. to you know, sort of liberate themselves through a, a, a unique form of expression. Well, I, I thought that I, that's that's all very sweet. But it's again, very good. there was another film uh, called St. Louis Superman, which I thought was going to win, and yeah. I, I with I did very badly on my ballot. By the way, I got, oh, yeah. I, got I think I got like twelve or thirteen out of twenty four. I think you got twelve, yeah. and I got fifteen. Yeah. Um, which is fine, very respectable. I've done better. You've done better. I've done much better. Yeah, that's, that's, that's actually one of my worst in years. I got twenty-one um, out of twenty-four ones. I felt like a god. <laughs> uh, but uh, but, the, the but Saint this Louis one didn't Superman, go an outlier though. Yeah, like, Saint, you know, Saint Louis Superman is about a very specific. It's about an American politician and a very specific American issue and how difficult it was to get pr- political progress to happen in a meaningful sort of way. Yeah, and about the strong people who push to make those sorts of things happen. And it's also not like the only sort of politically resonant mm. film either because there was The Edge of Democracy which is about the collapse mm. of the Brazilian government into authoritarianism and also In the Absence which is about how and, and by the way that's my favorite that one's impeccably well crafted the short in the well uh, um, the documentary Edge short of Demo- Edge of Mo- Democracy was a feature um, oh I'm sorry I was thinking of the other documentaries but you're right yeah. my apologies but uh, uh, yeah, In the Absence is about how a fairy disaster ended up creating a domino effect that toppled the South Korean government. Mm. Um, it's incredible, but like, yeah, learning to skateboard isn't really the outlier because there's a, there are other political docs and there are other docs that are sort of, you know, that sort of emotionally rousing. It wasn't the only one that left you feeling good. Mm-hmm. It's just good. Like I don't know. I guess I guess there really wasn't a formula to this one. They just liked that one best, mm. which is fine. It's very very good. It wasn't my favorite, but it's a great win. Uh, next up, we had best supporting actress, which wins to Florence Pugh's mom from Little Women. <laughs> I wanted Florence Pugh to win so bad. I know, and I predicted Scarlett Johansson. I would have been happy with Scarlett Johansson as well. Uh, I think she gives her very best performance in Jojo Rabbit. Yeah, um, uh, but Laura Dern. First off, I just want to say this right now. Laura Dern's a brilliant actor. She's been a brilliant actor for decades. She's getting this really awesome late career resurgence where, like, all of a sudden now everyone realizes how cool she always was and she's starting to get really interesting roles from everybody she's and in all to get different mediums. Interesting roles. Um, I didn't know how long this was happening, but Laura Dern has become a gay icon. Yep. Um, I didn't know how long that was going on. Uh, Laura Dern is, is held, <laughs> held in high, high esteem. Uh, there was a really great uh, number by the Gay Men's Chorus of Los Angeles during the Indie Spirit Awards. Oh my god, if you haven't seen this to, clip, uh, find this clip. And yeah, it's, it's, so it's, it's readily available online, but uh, it was a, a choral tribute to the gayest moments in the straight films of 2019. Yeah, and, and like, and it, and it closed out with Laura Dern taking her shoes off and getting up on the couch. Laura Dern ordering a kale salad. Laura just, Dern. just Laura Dern. Yeah, yeah. and then they just it, lend, it ends with them singing Laura Dern, Laura Dern, Laura Dern, Laura Dern. <laughs> Laura Dern. Well, Laura Dern is in the audience just completely enraptured by this. <laughs> the Independent Spirit Awards, by the way. A better, we, a better gauge for, like, true quality. Well, but, uh, if, if there is such a thing. Mm-hmm. But there's there's less bullshit surrounding the Independent Spirit Awards. It's not the same kind of popularity contest. Studios don't dump the same amount of money mm-hmm. into the campaigns for the Independent Spirit Awards. Different types of people vote for the Independent Spirit Awards. Um... Alonzo Durali tweeted something about this, and I think it's something we don't talk about enough. Mm-hmm. Um, award shows like the Independent Spirit Awards do not exist as a barometer for what's going to win the Oscars. No. They're their own award. They have just as much validity, some would argue even more so, mm-hmm. 
Then the Academy Awards, the Golden Globes, the SAG Awards, the People's Choice Awards, whatever award show you want. The Oscars aren't the only relevant award show. And relevant is even that's like subjective. Mm-hmm. Like what is how is it actually relevant? Well, gives people a career boost, increases visibility of, of other films, but Again, we've expressed time and time again just how shabby the Academy Awards can be about expressing uh, admiration or appreciation for films that go outside the studio system. And I would like to think that this year's overwhelming wins for Parasite, it won more Academy Awards than any other film. And I think last year, Roma, doing so well as well, Mm -hmm. is the Academy saying, no, we we really do want to promote these other films. For some reason, we just can't get them nominated enough. So I don't know what the solution is, but they clearly like those movies, but why aren't they getting nominated more? Yeah, it's weird. Yeah. So anyway, Laura Dern, back on track. Laura Dern won the Academy for Best Supporting Actress. Um, I think she's really good in Marriage Story, but I also think as much as anything, I think this is a career award. Yeah. She's been no, so for good sure, for so for long. Sure. Like, um, well, so, the, uh, yeah. I, I like to think this is a make good for Inland Empire, which is <laughs> actually her best performance. Um, uh, it, it's... A I think weird I th- one to sell because you don't really know what that film is getting at or what yeah. kind of character she's playing in a lot of scenes. I would be very surprised if there were a lot of Academy Awards voters who were like, this is for Inland Empire. I think for anything, mm. if it is anything like that, it's like, um, this is for being awesome in Marriage Story and Little Women. Yeah, yeah. which And you can make the argument, like Florence Pugh, well, this is for being awesome in Little Women and Midsommar and mm. Fighting With My Family, if they even saw that. Uh, but Laura Dern has the added benefit of mm-hmm. being so storied in this industry. Um, so. Also, she's a legacy. She is. Yeah. She is. And she she brought and it up and, very proudly, as mm-hmm. well as she should be. Because her she, parents she, are both well, legends. Yeah, mentioned her mom's mom and dad's names. Mm-hmm. Uh, next up, we had, uh, before we get to the next award, uh, Lin-Manuel Miranda showed up. Mm-hmm. He's awesome. <laughs> I love Manuel Miranda. Uh, and he gave an introduction to this montage of classic movie songs. That was distinctive for one reason. Well, he, ma- he made the Academy Awards only mention ever that I'm aware of <laughs> of partners in crime. Yeah, uh, the f- <clears throat> before. Okay, everyone remembers mm. Vanilla Ice's uh, Ninja uh, Rap. Ninja Rap from Teenage Angels to the Secret of the Use, <laughs> and as well they should. It's one of the silliest damn things, mm. and it's great, and I love it, and it's stupid, and it's great. But before Vanilla Ice did a rap about the Teenage Ninja Turtles, mm. Partners in Crime did it first. And they did it for the first Teenage Ninja Turtles movie. <laughs> T-U-R-T-L-E, Power. Mm. And I love that this was apparently an influence on Lin Mel. Like, he loved this song. Because <laughs> so, I guarantee you that was not in the script. Oh, no. Lin Mel edited that himself. Mm. Or at least it was his idea to put mm. it on the teleprompter. Mm. And um, I'm so glad he did. <laughs> because that's okay, awesome. Let me ask you. Can you sing it? Uh, on power? the half shell the, that the, the heroes fall in this day and age, who can ask for more? I mm. I couldn't do the whole thing, but Cri- I remember a the lot. The crime is high with muggings, mysterious. Detectives are furious. Yeah, of this lethally evil force. No, because we couldn't find, find the, the source, source of this, this lethally evil force. force. This is serious. serious. Give me a quarter. I need a witness. Call me a reporter. Anyway, it's oh a great God, song. It's still in there. It's a great, fun mm. song. And what's weird is that mm. it's silly, 
But Partners in Crime plays it kind of intense, and it actually fits the tone of that mm. first TMN- TMNT movie, where Which like is, it, it's it's really badly written. I went back and rewatched <laughs> it, and the script sucks to that uh, movie. I think the structure the, the, is good. The, the dialogue is fine. No, the structure is all over the place. I think it's it, like fine. it stops halfway through, and there's all, like all of this. I think it's kind of moodiness, and uh, yeah. I, but that moodiness is something that was mm. like really controversial. It kind of betrayed the image of the brand, even mm. though the movie was a huge hit. They like yeah. backtracked on it real hard for yeah. the second live action movie but yeah that first one was like a little intense like actually pretty for, violent and like for, really for serious the, especially for the kids who are yeah. going to see this thing yeah, yeah. No, it's great I, yeah. I think it holds up good but anyway uh okay next up uh, we talked about that montage mm-hmm. uh, okay so next after that the next big thing that they did eminem showed up the for mon- some reason. The montage segued into Lose Yourself, and it just started lingering on Lose Yourself, and I'm mm. like, what are we... Oh. Eminem's um, singing Lose Yourself. No, he, he he's an Academy Award winning singer. Lose yes. Yourself won an Oscar. He did. And I, he... I remember when uh, Barbara Streisand awarded... <laughs> Eight Mile, uh, it's a great song. Oh, it's, I, I think I, it's a classic. I, song. I, I love me some Lose Yourself, and that's another one I can sing to you. Yeah, but and indeed the audience was kind of singing, "Oh, Mom, Spaghetti." Everyone and, knows uh, that song. Everybody knows Lose Yourself. Yeah, and they were cutting to the audience, and everyone's sort of bobbing in their seats and singing along. Eight Mile came out in two thousand two, so this isn't like a significant anniversary of Eight, Eight Mile. No, but the reason why <clears throat> I think they did it, mm. in addition to I guess because they could. Um, but I think there's actually a good reason to. Maybe this wouldn't isn't the perfect year for it. Like if you want to go on some kind of DECA system, maybe we should have waited two years. Mm-hmm. But when Eight Mile came out, and when Eight Mile won the Academy Award for Best Original Song, they didn't perform it at the Academy Awards. If memory serves, mm-hmm. and I could remember this slightly wrong, Eminem had a tour date, and he didn't want to cancel on his fans to go play the Oscars. Yeah. So they and unlike it, almost any other song, if like. Also someone was, can't perform the song. You get someone else to do it. Like I, uh, I actually knew this from uh, from Weird Al Yankovic. Uh, he was fiercely protective of the song. Lose Yourself was incredibly personal to him. Yeah, and he didn't want to a just sort of perform it at this dog and pony show in an industry that he has nothing to do with. Right. He made one film. That's all he was interested in doing. I think uh, he toyed uh, around with doing <clears throat> a couple others, but he never made them. But uh, yeah, a Weird Al approached him and said, "Hey, I'd like to do a parody of of eight, of Lose Yourself." So he did Couch Potato. Yeah. Uh, also really brilliant because Eminem has the weirdest rhyme scheme in that movie. Oh, he's, a, uh, he's a very interesting writer yeah, yeah. <laughs> as far as his music goes. And, and Weird Al was able to match it. But uh, then we're, when Weird Al said, and I'd also like to do a music video that's a spoof of the, your music video, and Eminem said no. Yeah. And that broke Weird Al's heart. It's like, no, this was supposed to like sell my record. <laughs> this is like the, the flagship song on my record is a spoof of your song. And and he said, no, this, this one's too personal. I'm not going to let you make fun of it. And it was, it was, if that's the case, it was cool of him to let him do the song at all. Yeah, so, like, I think in Eminem's mind is like, okay, you're, since you're Weird Al Yankovic, like, you're the one guy who does this best, I'm going to let you have my song, but I, you can't do my video. I, I think if there's one thing Eminem is sort of legally required to respect, it's irreverence. <laughs> I think yeah. I think at that point, like, dude, you kind of built your whole career on irreverence. Mm. Like, you, I mean, you did it in a very different way, so, but... He, yeah, mm. um, but, so, I th- yeah but again, I think he, he, he wasn't interested in performing. Maybe not, but, fine. He, and but he, he wanted, didn't. Yeah. And it's this weird thing where like they played all of the nominees for best original song except the one that won, and it was always kind of weird. Mm. So I understand bringing him back. Maybe a tenth anniversary would have been more appropriate, or a twentieth. It seems mm. kind of arbitrary, well, they, they, but he brought the house mm. down. It was cool. Mm. 
fair enough. Uh, next up, we had best sound editing and best sound mixing. Best sound editing, I was a little surprised, but happily mm-hmm. so. Went to Ford versus Ferrari. <laughs> yeah. Which I've been calling Ford v Ferrari, but everyone calls it Ford versus, so... If, even though on the title it's not VS, it's V. Here's the which thing. is what they use in court cases. They do that with Batman v Superman as yeah. well. V when you put V instead of VS, mm-hmm. that's supposed to connote a court case. Yeah. Batman v Superman is about Batman suing Superman. Batman versus Superman mm-hmm. is about Batman fighting Superman. Same thing with Ford v Ferrari. You're using it wrong, and I'm not going to be. I'm not going <laughs> to be. I'm not going to kick any shit. Uh-huh. For using it the way it's intended to be used, uh, but yeah, Ford v Ferrari won uh, best sound editing, which of course is the creation of new sounds, and I think that was perfect. Mm-hmm. I think that movie sounds impeccable. Uh, and 1917 won best sound mixing, which is fine. Mm-hmm. It's a very excellent sounding movie. It's a very, it's more immersive, I think, in the soundtrack than it even is in the visuals. Okay. Um, let's see what we got next. Uh, and, oh, at this point, I saw there's a. I just want to say this right now. I saw a commercial. And apparently, not everyone saw this commercial because they're different markets. There's some new television show from the creator of Claws, and if you haven't watched Claws, you should. It's a great show. The, the, anima- is, the animated feature about Christmas, Christmas film. No, 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 no. Sorry, Claws, the TNT series starring Nisi oh, Nash. Oh, Claws. Okay, yeah. C L A W S. If you've never not, seen not, that show, not Klaus. It's about mm. it's about uh, women who run um, uh, a manicure salon. Okay. Who are, but it's also a front for drug money, and they get involved in the drug business. Mm. It's great. Yeah. The one of the creators of that show, if not the creator, I didn't catch their name. Uh, has created a new show that's one of those like alternate timeline kind of shows like ah what if mm-hmm. Britain had won the American Revolution or that kind of thing mm-hmm. but when they finally show like what's different about America they show the American flag and all the stars are pentagrams and it's about how witches started America <laughs> and it's a matriarchal society and uh-huh. I'm watching this and I'm like I never knew I always wanted this show mm-hmm. This could be terrible, and it will be my favorite show. I'm in. <laughs> this looks great. So I cannot wait to see that. Mm. Um, okay, next time, what we got here? Uh, at this point, Will Ferrell and Kristen Wiig showed up, and they made fun of people below the line again. This is an old, mm. tired Oscars joke, where you bring in movie stars to come in and laugh about, ha, no one knows what a cinematographer does. Right. Well, this... I'm I think, tired of it, personally. I think that... I don't think that was uh, them making fun of below the line. First of all, the cinematographer isn't... I wouldn't call below the line. Uh, same with the editor. Well, okay. Uh, but I, I think this was a I, dig I, I at uh, what was going on last year, when they were talking about, A, having no host, and B, just shortening the ceremony by dropping a bunch of categories from the telecast, yeah. including cinematography and editing. And those, and of course, okay, uh, a little late for me to pick up on what they were uh, laying I, down. I, but I can I, see that okay. because those were the two awards they were presenting last year. Would have made perfect sense. Yeah, I think this year I'm a, a little divorced from that. I think they were just a, a year late. All right, well, you know what? That's mm-hmm. fine. Uh, cinematography went to Roger Deakins. Good for Roger Deakins. Two mm-hmm. Academy Awards for incredible-looking mm-hmm. movies. I think The Lighthouse had better lighting. <laughs> but 1917 yeah. is a fantastically yeah. impressive film from a cinematographic perspective. Yeah, they, they interviewed. Um, uh, Jerian Blaschke, mm-hmm. who shot uh, uh, The Lighthouse. And uh, here's a, a really fun quote that oh, he yeah? said Damn ye, let Neptune strike ye dead, Deacons! <laughs> hark, hark, Triton, hark! No, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. It's, it's, uh, <laughs> 
The Lighthouse should have won every award. It's All right. not even every award. Well, okay, the one best the, actress the, doesn't really fit. The, the ones that did not go to Portrait of a Lady on Fire should have gone to the uh, Lighthouse, and um, <clears throat> that is just one of the most exquisitely beautiful films I saw last year <laughs> in terms of, of photography. I understand Roger Deakins had a harder job, technically speaking. That was a difficult film mm. to shoot. Oh, 100%. Uh, and f- from what I understand, uh, in, in the last scene of that movie, Benedict Cumberbatch, one of the big stars in the movie, shows up at, like in a bunker. Now, because they were trying to do it all in one shoot, in one take, and even if they were going to cut, they were kind of trying to push through. From what I understand, they had Benedict Cumberbatch show up on set pretty much every day during the shoot, whether or not they actually got to his scene. So mm. he was coming in day after day, I think for months at a time, just waiting to see if he got to act that day. Yeah, and, and he had to be prepared, so he had to give me a full costume and full makeup, waiting you know, in that room. I'm sure that's exactly how it worked. Yeah, absolutely. I love you, Whitney. Well, they didn't like. They say, "Okay, we're getting close to your scene. Call him up and get him in costume immediately." No, but they knew. What, shut up. You know what they were. You know they were cutting away. Okay. <laughs> Next up, uh, best editing goes also goes to Ford v Ferrari. I didn't mm. think they'd be cool enough. I usually editing goes. You think that's the cool choice? Mm, mm. Maybe not the coolest choice, but I do think it's. Here's the thing. Mm-hmm. Editing frequently goes hand in hand with best picture. Mm-hmm. It's one of those categories, like sometimes cinematography can be a consolation prize for Best Picture, but frequently if a film wins Best Picture, they usually think it's very well edited and mm-hmm. it will win Best Editing. The exception is when like something like really cool is nominated, like The Matrix or The Bourne Ultimatum, mm-hmm. or I did like it, but Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. Yeah. Um, Ford v. Ferrari was not a serious contender for Best Picture. It just wasn't. I'd be very surprised... Yeah, it was, it was it, nominated, but it was yeah. nominated and good for them. But a lot mm. of movies were nominated that were never going to win. Ford v Ferrari won best editing. Why? Because the editing is really fucking good in that movie. So I'm actually <laughs> just, I just, I just really think that's just a great choice. It's not a yeah. matter of like. There used to be a time in the '90s, in particular, I felt where like where we had more like um, streaks. You know, a movie would win eight Academy Awards, yeah, and that's yeah, happening the, way less nowadays, and I actually this, love that. The, I, I do like when the love is spread. The Parasite won only four awards, and that's the most uh, this year. A lot of people were suspecting that Joker would sweep, because in previous years when a, a, a film gets that many nominations, mm-hmm. it kind of dominates... Uh, I remember when yeah, Lord of the Rings, for instance, I think won 13 in one year. Yeah, it's uh, not a guarantee. Titanic uh, had 11 nominations think, and it I, won a bunch. I think uh, American Hustle got nominated for 11 or 12 and I didn't win anything. Well, yeah, that was the last yeah. big, like, the complete mm. snub. Um, yeah, I was looking yeah, at Joker this point. Joker was up like, for 11 at one, two. It, yeah, I was looking at this point like Joker wasn't going to win anything. And I was like, the only two categories Joker seemed like a likely winner in were original score and best actor, and we hadn't gotten there mm. yet. But yeah, I think if it was going to win best picture, we it would have won something else by now. Mm. Um, next up, we had best visual effects, um, which again, my prevailing theory on best visual effects is it goes to the film that they're most likely to respect for best picture. So I thought it was either going to go to 1917 or The Irishman. I picked The Irishman. The Irishman, the Irishman too, went yeah. home completely empty-handed. I'm frankly a little surprised. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I ended up going to 1917, which admittedly has very good visual effects. Yeah, you, you can't tell what most of them are. And that's, I think, the test of a great visual effect. I probably would have noted for Avengers Endgame, but fair. Mm. Uh, next up, we had Best International Feature, which went to Parasite. And at this point, we're thinking to ourselves, this is probably as far as Parasite goes. Mm-hmm. Like, maybe it has a shot for Best Director, because Roma won International Feature back when it was called Best Foreign Language Film and uh, Best Director 
but mm. I didn't win Best Picture. So mm. this is probably it for Parasite. And you can tell Bong Joon-ho is even just like starting to settle like, okay, we did as good as we can do. Mm. There's a great moment when he won his first Academy Award of the night for uh, Best Original Screenplay where he's like he, he yields the floor like to a co-writer or something. Mm. And... You can see him in the background looking at his Academy Award for a moment <laughs> with, like, no expression on his right. face. And then this big grin, like, oh, my God, yeah, I won just, one. Yeah, I won an Academy Award. Holy crap. It's a really just genuine sweet moment. Mm-hmm. Like, it was really great. Uh, so, yeah, Parasite won. Good for Parasite. Pain and Glory is great, too. Overall, it was actually a pretty good year in that category. Um, let's see. Um, what we I even liked Honeyland. Honeyland's amazing. It's a great, great movie. Uh, let's see. We mentioned. I feel like we show less and less of the honorary Academy Awards every year. Like they mentioned that David Lynch and West Studi. Yeah, they and, just announced it and they cut to a shot of West Studi in the audience, and that's it. They used to like they used to just give those out during the ceremony. And people would get a montage of their life's work, mm. and they get a speech. Why? Because they fucking earned it. And then they decided to give those out of the Governor's Awards, the, fr- the, f- the year Roger Corman won one, by the way. I'm like, Roger Corman can't even give a speech, you assholes. <laughs> but what they would do is, for years, they would take clips from the Governor's Ball, and they would show them. So hmm. like a 45-second montage where everyone got to see a clip of everyone's speech, which is better than nothing. This year, basically nothing. Hey, what studio's here? That's it. That's all we not, got. Not, even a, not a clip, not a, any Nothing. kind of retrospective as to why we're honoring West Studi. They're just no. There's a lot of people in the like, audience who don't know West Studi's name who have no idea why he's got an Academy Award. They're this. By the way, if you don't know who obs- West Studi is, West Studi is a uh, trailblazing Native American actor. Yeah. Um, who and I, I hope I'm using the terminology mm. correctly. Uh, but he's also a really brilliant actor. If you've ever seen him in Last of the Mohicans, he should have been nominated for an Oscar for. Yeah. He's great. The the the. Television producers' weird addiction to brevity has really wreaked havoc on the Oscars. The last two have been maybe the most boring to watch. Say, say what you will about you know who wins or why they won, or how efficient um, they are. Yeah, it's like okay, they're efficient. They're just getting up there. They're saying hi. They're wearing their nice suits. They make a few jokes, and then we go home. And I understand there's an impulse in you, like when you're sort of. When the third hour is ending and you're, you know, there's still like five awards left and the, the commercial breaks are getting longer and longer and you're getting really tired and it feels like a marathon. That's when you start affecting that attitude. It's like, oh, can't you just get up and just give the awards? Yeah. Well, yes, you can. And now we have. And now it feels like we're missing out on a lot of important moments of reflection. Yeah. Like, or like, bonkers entertainment. Go yeah. nuts. I mean, listen, I wasn't a big fan of some of the things they tried to do to entertain us. Mm. Like, we're going to do Cirque du Soleil, but they're dancing on film cans. Mm. I don't give a shit. But yeah, like, Stomp did a number. Do you remember the the year, um, it was the year of The Departed One, where they had pe- like contortionists shape out like shadow figures of the nominees? I think that's what I'm thinking of. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. No, like, they, like, mm. They tried. Mm. Bless them, they tried. And here I feel like they're just zipping through, which is okay, but again, we only do this once a year. And and again, it's not like last year, we're like, listen, we really have to wrap this up, because Whiskey Cavalier is going to be the next big thing in television, <laughs> and we don't want it to premiere so like the people on the East Coast can't mm. see it. To the best of my knowledge, there was none of that this year. Mm. Whiskey Cavalier, of course, is the greatest television show in history. It won 87 Emmy Awards last season. Hmm. Whiskey Cavalier got canceled right away. Right away. We did a Cancel Too Soon episode about it. Actually, it wasn't bad. Hmm. <laughs> Just didn't deserve all that buildup. All right, next up. 
I don't know how to pronounce her name, but the the winner for best original mm-hmm. score uh, was Hildur okay. w- G- Goodnadotter. Good 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 no dot here. Good no dot here. Um, mm. Well. Again, I good apologize for mangling that. Hildur Goddard here. Um, um, yeah, who is... I- Icelandic composer. She's the fourth, only the fourth woman to win uh, an Academy Award for Best Composer. And even uh, that's got an asterisk next to it because that award has changed a lot over the years. Mm-hmm. Uh, Marilyn Bergman, I looked this up. Marilyn Bergman was the first woman to win an Academy Award for a score. She shared it, mm-hmm. but she did win. But the category was Best Original Song Score and its Adaptation or Adaptation Score. It was There was another category for Best Original Score that year. Okay. So she didn't technically win best original score, and then the previous, the other two winners. But she won an Academy Award no, for she, composing music. She so, did. Yeah. She did. But I'm just saying. If you, I think it's interesting trivia. Okay. Uh, and then the other two wins were for Rachel Portman for Emma, great mm-hmm. score, and Anne Dudley, uh, who won for The Full Monty. But that was in the mid '90s during this weird period where, because Disney kept winning best original score so much, mm-hmm. they decided to split the award into best dramatic score and best musical or comedy score. And they did that mm. for like four years. Yeah, it was it was very brief. It was yeah, yeah, yeah. but they did it for a couple of years, and that's when mm. Rachel Portman and Ann Dudley won. So technically, and like this will be a schmodown question someday. <laughs> uh, Hildur Gudnadotter was mm. is the first woman to actually win the Academy Award specifically for best, best original, original score. score. All right, and 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 well done because I think uh, Joaquin Phoenix and and Hildur Gudnadotter did the. Bulk of the dramatic lifting in Joker. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, th- I, there's, I think it was well shot. I have a lot of complaints about Joker, about and a little, especially the reaction to it. It's I find it actually a very kind of shallow adolescent film that's posing as something deep. Same, but uh, all of the dra- dramatic power comes from a really good lead performance and that music. Mm-hmm. Uh, even the photography feels. This is kind of a weird thing to say about photography. Feels contrived, <laughs> like, like like they're, they're trying they're to make it look trying to make it, yeah, make it look really arty, even though the material doesn't necessarily warrant it. I, I think it's a pretty good looking movie. <clears throat> I don't begrudge it the nomination for cinematography. Mm-hmm. Uh, or, or I, production, it's not a for production design. No, it, I don't think should, it should have been but, yeah. costume design. It's just for that one suit. I don't I, think it's. I, I think I think that suit is actually worth recognizing. Your argument yeah. that that suit is iconic is mm-hmm. well taken, but I think the job goes beyond that. And tell me any other interesting costume choice mm-hmm. in that movie. That, well, there is, and but, yeah. but like that suit is fine. But well, I think the nomination so, is what that suit deserves. The, the the costuming in Joker is this weird. Uh, it takes place in this because it takes place in a weird sort of parallel universe of 1980 because it's Gotham City. It's not New York, so it mm-hmm. it's realistic, but it also has to be slightly not quite there. And I think they mm-hmm. nailed that. That's fair. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, next up we had best original song, which went to "I'm Gonna Love Me Again" from Rocket Man. Uh, did you end up seeing Rocket Man? I still haven't seen Rocket okay. Man. Here's the thing about Rocket Man and why I think this is the perfect song mm-hmm. uh, to win this uh, Oscar. First off, actually, there were a lot of great nominees. Uh, mm-hmm. The song from Harriet's really, really good. The song from um, Breakthrough is actually really, really good. They had a really nice performance mm-hmm. of that at the Oscars. Um, Rocket Man is a jukebox musical where they use all of Elton John's biggest hits ever mm-hmm. to tell the story. The new song doesn't feel out of place. Mm. You'll notice that a lot of times when they have to throw in a new song, like pre-existing music yeah, or whatever, yeah. and, and it just feels like the new one just doesn't have the same zazz, or mm. they, feels they, like it was they, made by different people. And, or, and they always want to throw in a ballad rather than a fun one. Yeah. So, um, and I'm going to again, it's a fun song, mm. and it's like it could be on any greatest hits compilation, even mm. if it didn't win an Oscar. It's a really, really good song. So I'm really happy that one. Um, 
the only one I liked the performance of, and so I think I thought was the better song, and the one I predicted would win was uh, Cynthia Erivo singing the song from Harriet. She's such a brilliant uh, singer. It's, she's a brilliant singer, and it was the only one that was really kind of moving. Yeah. Um, you know, Elton John's just doing Elton John. He's just sort of there doing his gig. Ooh, um, yeah, Randy Newman looked bored. Like he, Newman, he wanted to, he wanted to get the hell out Randy of. Randy Newman was funny. That not shit care. In. Yeah. Um, breakthrough was sincere, but you know it's kind mm. of just a standard unremarkable Christian song, but it's a perfectly good one. It's, yeah. it, I, I don't regret to the nomination at all. And Frozen is not even the best song from Frozen. Yeah, Into the, the Unknown is not a particularly good song. I'm sorry. I know kids I mean, it, like it, has, it, it, has but that, it does have that bold sort of barn burning quality that Let It Go also had. Um, I just don't think it actually means as anything no. as interesting as Let It Go. The, the best, funniest song is Lost in the Woods. Um, great song. If that had won, I'd be happy. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> For Frozen 2. Yeah. Right, uh, next up, uh, we had Best Director, which went to, holy shit, Bong Joon-ho? <laughs> I thought I, it was going to be Sam Mendes. I I, listen, I thought, I thought that picture and director were both going to go to Sam Mendes. I, I find that usually when I predict with my heart, I'm wrong. But this mm. time, I'm like, come on, they got to give it the punch. You know? Yeah. But I'm watching this. I'm like, hey, Quentin Tarantino's mm. never won Best Director, and people love that movie. Maybe mm. Sam Mendes is riding a big wave with 1917, and then holy shit, Bong Joon Ho mm. just won a third Academy Award in mm. one night. I'm like, this is so cool <laughs> because a Parasite is fucking awesome, but mm. b he's been a brilliant filmmaker for at least 20 years. Mm. And if you're unfamiliar with his other films, I'm not a fan of Okja. I think Okja is a miscalculation that flies mm. off the rails, and I don't think it tells its point very well. However, also he did Snowpiercer, which a lot of people saw, but I think that one's really crass compared to his other work. It's, it, that's a student film. Snow, Snowpiercer is, is... I think it's structured like a student yeah, film. Like it's made too B- well. Bong Joon-ho but. makes films that I would have really loved when I was 19. <laughs> like uh, They would have seemed like, so deep and so rich, and... Uh, Parasite is a, a little bit more sophisticated than that. It's a lot um, more sophisticated. I, I wish I were more passionate about it, uh, but yeah. but yeah, he he got uh, best director, and that was a bit of a surprise. Yeah. Um, if you want, if you want to see I, any I of his other movies, I highly yeah. recommend Memories of Murder. I haven't seen Memories of Murder, and I haven't seen The Host, but I did really like his film Mother, and I think uh, Mother. That's one I haven't seen. I still think Mother is his best film oh, uh, wow. because that one is actually really kind of morally complex in a way that none of his other films are. Did you see uh, Memories of Murder? Did I, you haven't, I haven't seen that, that one's yeah. morally complex too. It's actually mm-hmm. really interesting. It's based on the true story of South Korea's first serial killer. At least as they knew it. Mm-hmm. And it is about like the cops in the small town when the serial killer was striking and how they were just dumb, corrupt thugs who all of a sudden had to do, like, real detective work Mm. and how terrible they were at it and how that led them to make terrible choices and probably helped assure that this guy will never be caught ever, Mm. like, to this day. To the extent... That the statute of limitations on his serial killings has run out. <laughs> He's a serial killer and There's, he can't be arrested. There was anymore. another movie that came out. God, I can't remember what it was called. There's another thriller that came out around the time the statute, because it was a famous thing. Mm. Oh my God, statute of limitations just ran out on all these murders um, of a guy who. There's a movie about a guy who claimed to be that killer and once the statute of limitations ran out, mm. just published his biography. Just yeah, published why his not? memoir. Yeah. Like, holy shit. But yeah, uh, Bong Joon Ho from Parasite, awesome choice. I was really happy. I thought it was going to end there, but it didn't. Mm. Um, next up, oh, Bong Joon Ho made a Texas Chainsaw Massacre reference in his acceptance speech. Oh, he made a chainsaw. A Texas reference. chainsaw. Oh, he actually said Texas chainsaw. He said, chainsaw. If, if I could take a Texas chainsaw to this award and give it to All everybody, right. I'm like, that's, <laughs> I like that that's his frame of reference for chainsaws. Um, <laughs> next up, Joaquin Phoenix wins for. Uh, you were never really here. Mm. Uh, they misspelled it on the award. On the award, it says Joker. It happens. Um, 
That's another one where I feel like he's good in this movie, but I feel like it's also a career thing because he's been so good in everything for yeah, so long. Well, this is his fourth nomination, if I recall. And <sighs> the Master Gladiator mm. and what am I forgetting? Oh golly, um, I, I, I'm pretty sure this is there was another one in there. You're probably oh, um, Walk the Line. That's right. I was just Walk Johnny Cash. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. He was up for Best Actor for Johnny Cash. Yeah. Uh, yeah um, Weirdly, I, th- I think the ones he, apart from the master, which I think is a, a really weird, complex, completely uh, brilliant almost, performance, almost opaque performance that is just uh, I you think can't he, take your eyes off. I think it. he's his, I think he's like the modern Boris Karloff in that role. Like yeah, he's doing, yeah, he plays yeah. that character the way Boris played Frankenstein. Well, I, 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 I'd evoke Peter Lorre instead. But, Fair uh, enough. Um, yeah. I feel like his more interesting performances are the ones that are like really off to the side, the kind of things that uh, the Academy doesn't pay attention to. And uh, I feel like Joker should have been that, but he was actually recognized. Uh, this is the first sort of Joaquin Phoenix-esque performance that has been awarded. Mm-hmm. Um, I would have given it to him last year for You Were Never Really Here. He wasn't uh, nominated, but, but I would have yeah. totally, yeah. Like I said, those no. little, those like little dramas or these yeah. weird things off to the side are the things where he's doing his best work. Yeah, uh, I'm I'm fine with with Joaquin Phoenix winning. Uh, I'm fine with him winning. I wish he'd won for a different movie, but mm-hmm. I feel that way about a lot of actors. Like mm-hmm. I'm glad Kate Winslet has an Academy Award. I wish it wasn't for the reader. Exactly. Yeah, you know yeah. that kind of thing. Um, uh, somebody pointed out that, uh, and I, I always love these sorts of things. Like when uh, Three Six Mafia won an Academy Award. Oh yeah. Uh, the, the the little take the piss out of the Academy joke that I think it's John Stewart was hosting that year. Yeah. Said uh, the Three Six Mafia now has one more Academy Award than Martin Scorsese. Yep, that <laughs> was the same thing when Eminem yeah. won. Eminem has more Academy Awards now. Martin Scorsese has an Academy yeah, Award, but, does, but yeah. still. And someone pointed, I think you're talking about. Someone pointed out that uh, the Joker as a the, character, the, the character, the Joker, now has more Academy Awards than all of the women who have won Best Director. Yep, and all the black mm. people who have won Best Director. Yeah, <laughs> like it's ridiculous. Mm. Um. What is it about the Joker that we had two people win an Academy Award mm-hmm. for playing a guy who basically just represents madness? Well, we this goes to what I was talking about, about sort of people our age dictating what is being honored. Um, I think that, I think that has a lot to do with this. I think you know when we're giving t- you know, heartfelt speeches to someone like John Hughes, outside of just the memorial reel, it means that people of a certain age are responding to a certain kind of film history. Okay, I think people our age grew up with a, a very kind of ultra saturated pop milieu where characters like Batman loomed very very large, and the Joker is. Just as important, an important a character as someone like Vito Corleone uh, from The Godfather. You know these sort of like really big Shakespearean type villains. Joker is a fun person to play because he's a I maniac. Don't doubt it. Yeah. You, know, you talk to Mark Hamill about that. Well, I don't know. Um, well, some people find it fun. Other people, like mm. Keith Ledger, obviously. Well, he was. Yeah, he was. Very, let him go really dark place. Very, yeah, he was very method about it. And he was trying to yeah. you know, play this very this mm. the nihilist to 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 the hilt and. I think a lot of people are sort of recognizing that there is this rich uh, well of nihilism within a clown that punches Batman. You know, so, <laughs> and, and I appreciate. I this. think that's what's going on with the Joker in recent years. This is not a, like a, a timeless character. We wouldn't have given an award to the Joker 
in a previous generation? Probably not. Mm. Um, there are can other you, like. Can you think of Cesar Romero? No, getting an Academy Award nomination. No, Cesar Romero wouldn't win an Academy Award, but there have been mm. other broad performances that have won Academy mm. Awards. Um, and I appreciate that Joker is trying to add mm. nuance uh, to the character. I don't think it particularly succeeds, but. I appreciate that it is trying to preach the cozy character way. I think that there's something wrong, though. Mm. I like that we're willing to give an Academy Award to basically a glorified pulp performance, where mm. it's a pulpy character, he represents... Like, in any other story, he'd be very superficial, would not be taken too seriously, but we're going to take it super seriously, and he's going to get an Academy Award for it, and so would Heath Ledger. Mm-hmm. Why is it so easy to give an Academy Award... For playing the Joker. Mm-hmm. And so difficult to give an Academy Award to, say, Lupita Nyong'o for Us, which is also a genre film mm. with she, great aspirations. She also and gets to play, like, yeah, this sort of ma- maniacal character she, in that well, one. Like, and, as well as sort there's of a duality herself. element. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's, it's a brilliant mm. double sided performance. Why mm. is it so much easier to give an award to Joaquin Phoenix for that than it is to give an award? Well, to Lupita Nyong'o or mm-hmm. anyone else. Like, you could argue that uh, the performance that Tony Collette gave in Hereditary is yeah, comparable I mean, in its approach to the line. She's walking a thin line uh-huh. between, like, realism and sort mm-hmm. of the extremes of the acting experience, I yeah. think, in that film. I don't understand it. Well, I, I think it's I, you know what? I, 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 think th- I think this is... I think that's a, a bad line of thinking. Because I think yeah. uh, women do get to play really kind of theatrical characters all the time. And, you know, we're thinking of... Okay, Renee Zellweger did a Judy Garland impersonation. She won an Academy Award. She had all yep, of the steam the next behind one, her. Um, I think she did fine. That's a good performance. I'm, 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 I mean, she's not really Judy Garland, but, like, yeah, Ju- Judy, she gave a consistent, excellent interpretation of the yeah. character of Judy Garland. Yeah, Ju- Judy didn't... The movie didn't blow me away, but, yeah, she yeah. she was fine in it. But, you know, think of someone like Kathy Bates, who won an Academy Award for playing Annie Wilkes in Misery. That's yeah. a super villain type character. You totally uh, is. You know, think of uh, you know, someone like uh, Kate Blanchett in Blue Jasmine. She's really off the rails in that movie. She's just nuts. That's uh, true, but my point is this. Uh, in, misery think, of Grand think of, of uh, all America. Uh, uh, what, 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 like... Uh, uh, Elizabeth Taylor in uh, Who's Afraid of Virginia Wolf. She's I'm, just uh, eager to, here's, to to be wicked. Here's in that the movie. line. Here's the line. Yeah. Here's the line. I'm drawing that you're not uh-huh. uh, genre cinema. Who's Afraid of Virginia Wolf is a drama. It's a straight drama. Mm. Uh, and Misery is a horror movie. I'll grant you that. All if right. you want to come up with another uh, good exception here, mm. Black Swan also a horror no, movie. It's I don't out think Black Swan. I don't think she's quite as much the villain in that one. I think she's seen as a bit more the tragic figure. But in a way, in a way but, that makes her even more like the Joker but in she, this one. She so, really yeah. gets to swing for the walls, and she sure. does get to be monstrous in that movie. Yeah. And I, she also gets to be really kind of. But then uh, why was it? Yeah. But here's my question. Uh huh. You're just. I'm just mad about Lupita Nyong'o and Tony Collette. Where the hell are they? Okay, we're just going to. Charlize Theron played a serial killer in a serial killer drama. You know these kinds of. But that's a drama. And, and Joker stage is a drama. It's you com- compare monster. to Batman's Joker. in it, and it leads to his origin. It's more arch. I suppose so. Joker yeah. is infinitely more mm. arch than monster. Okay, I'm not saying there aren't parallels, but I do think there's a tone that Joker definitely strikes. Okay. Well, whatever. Anyway, <laughs> uh, Renee Zellweger wins Best Actress mm. for uh, for Judy. She's really good. Mm. Um... It's weird how locked up that category was as soon as Judy came out. Mm-hmm. I remember when Judy came out, like, what was it, like, late September? Everyone was like, and she won. 
Yeah. Where everyone else gets to be nominated. Good for them. Maybe Scarlett Johansson for Marriage Story. No, that became a meme. Never mind. We're done. I, I, I'm a little... Yeah, Marriage fr- Story went home empty-handed, didn't yeah, it? Yeah, I'm a little frustrated yeah. by... Oh, wait, and, no, Laura Dern. What am an idiot? Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's right. That, that yeah. wasn't for Little Women. That was for yeah. Marriage Story. Uh, no, it was for being Laura Dern. Best best Laura Dern in a Laura Dern. Well, she goes to definitely Laura Dern. won that, yeah. Uh, I don't like the, the trend, and this has been mocked endlessly by endless pundits about how... The biographical performances tend to get more Academy attention, especially yeah. biographical performances by showbiz people. Mm. You know, Kate Blanchett playing Catherine Hepburn, for instance. Yeah, which uh, a good performance. It's, it's, a, it's a little bit surprising that Eddie Murphy was not nominated for playing Rudy Ray Moore. Um, I think I had it in for Eddie. I don't know why. I think it's because he walked out after he didn't win for Dreamgirls. He doesn't have to stay. No, he doesn't fucking have to stay. <laughs> but I can also be sitting going, "Hey." Like Someone when, could have used that scene. Uh, it's like when uh, when Sean Penn won Best Actor, and uh, th- he was uh, against Bill Murray for Lost in Translation. Yeah, and Sean Penn won, and he d- did get a, give a good performance in Mystic River, which came out that year. And uh, and then Billy Crystal hosted, and, and just the first thing he said after the commercial break was, "And we're back, Bill. Don't go, don't go, Bill. Yeah, <laughs> don't leave." And they cut to Bill Murray. He's like, nah. I, I'm going to say this <laughs> Bill right Murray now. was like visibly upset. I, I, I may be, I may be remembering a, a, a rumor about Eddie Murphy leaving after Dreamgirls. I haven't looked that up in a while. Oh, that's the story. That's I've just heard. a story. Okay. That's a story I've heard. I don't know if how true yeah. it is. I thought it was true, but I just realized mm-hmm. that there's a chance it's not, and I don't want people to go around. Like, look that up before you tell that anecdote. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I do love the moments when you see, like, you know, they cut to everyone's faces. And then they announce the winner. And every once in a while, you see like someone like who isn't super happy. Mm. Kind of purse their lips a little yeah, bit. Yeah. My favorite one ever was when Samuel L. Jackson was nominated for Pulp Fiction. Still his only Academy Award nomination. Mm. And he lost... Not Black, not Black Snake Moan, not The Caveman's Valentine. He's given some really brilliant performances. He's, no, he's great. He's a brilliant actor. He should have been nominated at least a couple of times since. And uh, yeah, he was nominated for Pulp Fiction. And I think... What did he lose? Did he lose to uh, Walter... The Martin Landau? 94 supporting yeah would have been Martin Landau for yeah, Ed Wood he, that he lost he lost to Martin Landau and Martin Landau's great in that movie until he deserves that mm. Oscar but I love that you can see if you look at the clip mm. you can kind of see like Samuel Jackson just go as everyone's applauding mm. shit <laughs> <laughs> he wanted it why wouldn't he <laughs> like it's totally fine um okay and then uh, best picture time comes around hmm I still can't believe Parasite won Best Picture. I, I really can't. Like, in addition to... I, I can. It's, I, it's, it, it, was, it was widely beloved. It was uh, widely know, beloved, but it's 1917 harsh. was the favorite on to win. Uh, Parasite is... Uh, it's harsh. It's a it's, harsh movie. It's, it's not a light but it, movie. But it's There's accessible. Not a lot of, I'm not going to say... It's, it's actually... And, and when the, was the last time a thriller won Best Picture? Was it yeah, Silence of the Lambs? Surely it's happened since then, but uh, I, I can't think of anything right now because it's late. Out. But um, yeah, shape yeah, it was, of water it, doesn't quite count. It was a thriller. Uh, the I think the most interesting parts of the movie are, are before it became a thriller, but uh, when it was just more about sort of the ma- manipulation of what was going on with the, between the two classes. I guess No Country for Old Men kind of counts. Oh, absolutely, that does. Yeah, okay, fair yeah. enough. It's, it's been a bit, but yeah, fair mm-hmm. enough. It's not, no, feel, no Country for Old, which was 2007, so it's been a little while. It's been a little while. There's a couple of, arb- like, you could argue Argo's kind of a thriller, but I wouldn't. I don't think it actually has a lot of thrills in it. Um, hmm. Argo, I don't think, holds up very well. 
I've been rewatching. I remember thinking Argo. It's another one of those things. Oh, that's fine. It, everyone can sort of agree on it that year, mm. but I, it's. I, I remember Alan Arkin. I'm really, really surprised nobody's tried to make Argo, like the fake movie within Argo, the science fiction film. Yeah. Uh, but that's what I'd do, and I'd be <laughs> poor. Um, <laughs> probably. Probably. There, yeah. There's a decent chance, that, like, <clears throat> I'll bet you anything when Argo was a huge hit, mm. they were like, Studio execs like think up Argo and they look up like, oh this sucks. Yeah, oh, never mind. Just put that away. <laughs> well, that's what I do. I'd give. A, I, I'd read the script and I'd make it exactly how it is, no matter how bad it sucks. And uh, I, what try, I would do and, is, and adjust the budget accordingly. What I would do is I would make an animated short. Oh, there you go. I would make an animated short mm. that's like, and maybe even CG, make it look real cool. You know, make or it look do, like a real film, like, like the, a the reenactments they like yeah. they did in Jodorowsky's Dune, where they did like, a lot thing. of the yeah. designs. And kind like of, putting put together a fake trailer. Uh-huh. For Argo, the movie they were pretending to make in the movie Argo. Mm. Yeah. That sounds like a good idea. That sounds like a good short. You know, that sounds like mm. a good DVD special feature. Have some fun with that. The movie won Best Picture. Play. <laughs> um, but yeah. yeah I'm, um, I'm surprised a, a foreign language film did win Best Picture. It was inevitable. It's happened a lot over the course of Academy history. Well, that where, they've been uh, nominated. That they've been nominated. Yeah. So, yeah, it was going to happen eventually. There was a lot What's of. the first oh, one? Was it Grand oh, Illusion? Might have been. Yeah, th- that's not a, a piece of Academy history I have. But yeah, Roma, for instance. Mm. You know, just recently we had foreign language films uh, nominated for Best Picture. And they always seemed like Dark Horses or Outsiders. This one was also yep. a Dark Horse. A little Grand bit Illusion, Grand 1939. Illusion. First foreign language film nominated See, for Academy Award. It's, it's happened a lot. And, yeah. uh, and I'm kind of surprised it took this long to, to finally give a Best Picture to... <sighs> I guess you could maybe it's you could, you could you... maybe you could count Morales Sunrise, uh, kind of, kind it of, but really... it's a silent film. <laughs> yeah, doesn't that the, the rules are kind of. <clears throat> also, I think it was technically a 20th Century Fox production. Oh, but it was American so, money. So yeah, it was but, American but it was, money. But it was German filmmakers and German actors in a German production. Janet Gaynor was in German. Pardon? Janet Gaynor was in German. Oh, well, I thought it was uh, all of. All, it wasn't all German. All, all German well, cast. I mean, it, it didn't quite mm. matter back then when mm. you were doing silent films, like where everyone was from. Yeah, it's it's that might be a unique situation, mm. and the, the, you could argue that's nebulous. But um, yeah, it's one of those ones where you might need to go back and look at like what was nominated. Like when mm. you ask, when you say to yourself, "God, Scorsese never won Best Director until The Departed. Mm. What happened?" And then you realize that, like, with the exception of maybe the Dances with Wolves year, where. She probably should have just won that one outright. <laughs> Every other time he was nominated, there were other really amazing nominees, mm. and it's hard to really get too mad. Yeah, that like Taxi Driver lost to Rocky or whatever it mm. was. Like, yeah, kind of. Like, I'm not gonna get too pissed about that. Um. So, anyway, Parasite wins Best Picture, makes mm. Oscars history. It's the first film to win Best Foreign, uh, uh, not Foreign film. Language Film, Best Inter- International film. film, and Best Picture, and Best Picture. Awesome, uh, and also the first uh, film not in the English language to win the Academy Award for Best Picture. Mm. All of these things are great, and on top of it, it's an amazing movie. You said that you wished you were more passionate about it, mm. but that's kind of how I was when like Spotlight won. Oh yeah, like I'm watching this and like, oh Spotlight won. Mm. Huh. I have nothing but respect for Spotlight. Spotlight mm. is an incredibly well-made movie. I like Spotlight a lot. But I, I didn't necessarily really engage with it the way I did some of the other nominees that mm. year. And, and but I, what a I great feel, pick for Best Picture. I feel the same way about The Shape of Water. It's like yeah. I'm, I'm glad that the Academy is uh, recognizing 
this a, a very odd film. It's, it's basically it's, a horror movie. Yeah, it's it's, yeah. it's a monster movie, but it's also it's like a monster romance film. We've never had a best picture that looked or felt sort of like this fish man. No, movie. it would be and, like if like Cocteau's yeah. Beauty and the Beast had won. Like that's kind of their which, closest which, analog. Which might have won best foreign film, but I will. Uh, I'll look that up. Um, no, I'll look it up. I got it right here. I can, I can front yeah. look it up really. <laughs> you got a laptop in front of you. Uh, but yeah, I, you know, I I admire that it happened more than I sort of was a fan of the film that was winning, and I feel the same way about Parasite. Parasite is a film I like. It's, I I don't have any serious criticisms criticisms about I it. Just none to, whatsoever. Just to, I think it's really, pretty perfect. Like there were two other movies it wasn't I one liked of my, more. One of, wasn't like on my top ten list or anything, but I like it a lot. It um, was on mine. It was my number three. I put Jojo Rabbit ahead of it just because it felt so salient. Mm-hmm. Um, and I put Little Women ahead of it because I think that movie is basically objectively perfect. <laughs> if such a thing could exist in criticism, which I know it can. Um, but like those are all amazing movies, and the fact that my top three films of the year mm. were nominated for Best Picture and that one of them won. Uh-huh. That's cool. How often does your actual pick for the best movie of the year actually win Best Picture? It hasn't happened yet. It never happened. No, not once. The only time I can... I, th- I think Moonlight. The, Mo- serves, Moonlight was your number one. I think Memory Serves Moonlight was my number yeah. one. Like That's the only time yeah. I can recall with absolute certainty. Well, my, my you best, know what? Best year, yeah. uh, the year it came out, my number two film, my my, my personal second favorite film of the year uh, was The Hurt Locker. And that did, okay. did win Best Picture. My, right. You know what number one was? My, my number one was... <laughs> My number one was Michael Haneke's The White Ribbon. So, okay. Yeah, that, um, it was nominated for Best uh, Foreign Language. It was nominated for Best Foreign Language yeah. that year, but yeah, it, it didn't win. Uh, yeah, my, my top uh, three Beauty were... Beauty and the Beast was not nominated for... Oh, it wasn't. Any, oh, the, the original Cocteau version, no, it wasn't That's surprising, because that, that's, a, a, that's a, an indelible cinema classic. Everyone needs to see that film. Yeah. Uh, it, it, it was yeah, nominated it, for at Cannes and a couple mm-hmm. other like French awards, but yeah. Yeah, so. just so so many great films, so many varied films came out in last year, and you know, my, my top three were Portrait of a Lady on Fire, The Lighthouse, and A Hidden Life. You know, these, these movies that I think were mm-hmm. much more interesting, odd, and ambitious than uh, anything that was up for the Academy Awards. I feel like conversation about Portrait of a Lady on Fire mm. is passionate enough. People are going to see it. Mm. I think Lighthouse is weird enough. People are going to see it. Mm. I think a Hidden Life needed enough. A Hidden Life is weirdly being buried. Just completely just forgotten. Totally out of the conversation. Uh, it's Terrence it Malick's latest movie. It's one of his best mm. works. It's not like my top two or three, but it's brilliant. It's it's really brilliant. I think it kind yeah. of nails his thesis as a filmmaker better than better than a lot of his previous films. And apparently uh, it had trouble getting screened because it was made by Fox. Disney now owns Fox. Mm. It's the kind of movie Disney would never have made at Fox. It was and as of, a result, think, they were they were basically charging too much to show it in theaters. And they, the were going like, by, they were going by Disney rules, which uh-huh. was, you know, if you want one of our three-hour blockbusters... You have to hold it in one of your... This is Disney dictating the theaters. You have to hold it in one of your theaters for X number of weeks. You have to get this number of prints. Mm-hmm. You, you have to but charge the, this kind of ticket prices and do this with your free passes. Uh-huh. And that makes sense when you have you know a gigantic billions of dollars blockbuster... like on 3,000 like, like an Avengers movie. Yeah. A Hidden Life is essentially an art house film. And on top of it all, it's three hours. So mm-hmm. a movie theater showing it can only get maybe three screenings a day out of it. Mm-hmm. So that really just made it like a, a kind of a non-starter. 
mm. for a lot of theaters that would have loved to have shown it, that would have probably shown it to packed houses if it had been available. So it never got any of the attention. But like, I feel like if it had been nominated for any Academy Awards, mm. like literally any, it had been nominated for screenplay or right. best actor or Just best cinematography. Yeah, yeah, cinematography alone, it's really gorgeous cinematography. Like, if it had been nominated for anything, they could have justified mm-hmm. putting it in more theaters, and more people would have been would have seen it and would be talking about it. Yeah. And that's one of those instances where an Academy Award snub actually matters. Mm-hmm. It made it harder to see a movie. Yeah. That sucks. And, and here's something that I'll sort of... Um, this, this is not a complaint. This is just a quibble about Parasite winning Best Picture. Okay. Because I, I actually like the Parasite won Best Picture. I like that yeah. we finally reached the point where we can give Best Picture to a film that's not in the English language. That's great. See more international cinema. It's where a, more of the so interesting stuff interesting is happening. stuff is happening. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm, and I'm glad. And, you know, Parasite, fine. Fine film. Fine film to start with. Sure. It's great. I, but uh, a complaint I had when we reviewed it on this show was that it struck me as a little bit masculine for my tastes. I think it went a little bit down a a kind of fighty violence rabbit hole that it didn't necessarily need to to get its point across. Mm, uh, you could argue again, that. It's a, it's a mild point. I, guess, I, I'm I not, see I'm not point. saying it needs like a major rewrite, but... I see your point. I think I, the fact that the story like, went to that extreme yeah. sort of... Was, I think the fact that there was a line and a line that could be crossed that hard, I think, mm-hmm. is actually really relevant to that film. But I can't yeah. get into too much detail without spoiling it. And yeah. I don't wanna, but um, I don't, but basically, like, when it gets super violent, you could argue maybe it didn't need to go that far. Yeah, the, but I would argue maybe there, it there, did. there was this big wrinkle that just sort of like c- cemented something that had already been said before. And, I really uh, feel like they showed too much parasite in the clips. Yeah, well, of the yeah, Academy Awards. They probably didn't need to give away as much as they did. Well, they, they showed the ending of a couple of different movies. Yeah, um, but some of them are more obviously the ending than others. The, like, one of the films, showing the ending uh, of the two popes, who cares? We know where that went. Well, like, exactly, but you know, they, they did show a, a notable flamethrower scene from one film, and uh, yeah, that that's that's a spoiler. Yeah, technically, yes. Um, but that this film that you know, if if my only quibble is that it's really really masculine and it's winning Best Picture in a year when women made so many interesting films, yeah, it's enough. just sort of rubbing me the wrong way in a very distant sort of way. No, I don't think you're uh, wrong. Again, I don't that, think you're this wrong. is not a major complaint. No. This is not something I like, you know, feel like they should undo, but it feels particularly galling in a year when Greta Gerwig and Claire Denis and Celine Sciamma and Mati Diop and uh, Lulu Wang are all ignored uh, for best Lorraine Scafaria. Lorraine Scafaria. All of these wonderful yeah. directors are completely ignored in the director category. Agreed. Mm. No, I, I, and, and they, I totally and agree. It, and they give it to Bong Joon-ho, who is more or less, if you look at his body of work, a bro. He makes really, <laughs> he makes really masculine he, films. He absolutely yeah. does. I totally agree with that. Oh. You're not wrong, which is why I said at the beginning... I think the nominations were fucked this year, but mm. based off of what actually got nominated, uh-huh. I'm actually largely very happy with what won. Okay. I think, again, a lot of films should have been nominated. There are some winners that I think shouldn't even have been nominated. But based on what was actually in the crop of films, they spread out the awards real nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think, you know, they gave technical awards to films that weren't part of some massive sweep. They really thought, like, you know what? Hmm. <laughs> The editing on Ford v Ferrari was better than the the mixing, so we'll give the mixing something. Because people were talking about like combining those two categories because is the sort of general perception that sound mixing and sound editing typically go to the same. same, Well, well, they typically go to the same film. So, what's the big deal if we combine the categories so long as everyone gets their Oscar? Mm -hmm. 
there's an argument to be made for that. But if we're if the Academy can recognize the difference between those and give different awards to each, mm-hmm. that justifies keeping them apart, doesn't it? So that's a good thing. Yeah. Um, I again, I think the best acting categories were too much of a foregone conclusion. I think we really should have had more complicated conversations about those and maybe made it seem like that's like okay, Joker's going to win when we really should have been talking about. You know who should win? Antonio Banderas or whatever. Yeah, who gives like a, kind of a career best performance. I, he's in, in, really incredible in that movie. I liked when they, they the lead in to best international film mm-hmm. was <coughs> a, a short like sort of montage narrated by Penelope Cruz, which was very specifically framed around her work with Pedro Almodovar and her mm-hmm. work in Pain and Glory. And then the movie didn't win anything. Sometimes I wonder, yeah, like they yeah. were thinking maybe it would be a natural segue. And she she presented the award, and yeah, yeah. It's like when Harrison Ford presented the award for best director to or best picture to Shakespeare in Love. <laughs> they thought it was going to be this great reunion shot of him and Steven Spielberg, but uh-huh. then he just gave it to Shakespeare in Love, and it was fine. Um, one thing I like about Parasite winning is I think this is going to be one of those movies where we look back mm. and we don't cringe about the movie. I don't think, no, I think anyone's going to cringe about the movie. I think no. people people who didn't see it might be pissed, but then they'll see it and they'll go, yeah, I get it. <laughs> it's really, really good. So I do like that. Um, so that's the Academy Awards. That's it. We can stop talking about it now. Uh, I'm not going to talk <laughs> Until about... Until next year. I'm not going to talk about the Razzies at all because I officially don't want to even give them any more wavelength. Oh, the... The Razzies need to be fixed. Uh, you know, a lot of people say the Oscars need to be fixed, and I feel like the Oscars have been doing a lot to sort of scramble and to fix, and they're mm-hmm. still stumbling, Green Book. But uh-huh. they're or making just, some stuff. Lack of diversity in this year's nominees yeah, in general. Judge in general. Um, but, you know, occasionally yeah. they're, they, they're trying. Occasionally they, they hit. Like, they, they finally gave. A, their, their one concession was that they gave Best Picture to a non English language film. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Razzies have had it worse for longer, and the Razzies. Uh, I think the Razzies need mm, it's hard for me to say something like the Razzies need to exist but I feel like they (laughs) they do serve a function other than to just sort of well Raz I think sort of exploring the depths of just the biggest mistakes that that Hollywood and the movie Mm -hmm. machine is making is uh, interesting and I think it's also fun Uh, and I think there's a way to do it in a much more critical light than just to sort of pick on uh, we sort, of, to, sort of low-hanging fruit. I, I feel like, you know, there's these, um, I think it's Hollywood Reporter does the brutally honest Oscar ballots. Well, mm. I think it's Scott Feinberg and he'll interview uh, people who actually vote for the Academy Awards. Mm. And Anon- he'll ask, anonymously. Anonymous. Yeah. And will, he'll just say this is part of them, uh, a member of the producer's branch. And that's mm. all you know. And then they will talk about every single category. And they'll just give their unbridled thoughts about why they voted for who they voted for. If you've never read these articles, it's a shitstorm. It's just... They're they're illuminating in the worst possible way. Their people are proving that they are inarticulate about the thing that they do for a living. They don't understand what certain disciplines are within filmmaking. Yep. they. uh, One person flat out said that... Uh, they didn't think a non-American film should win Best Picture. I'm glad they were wrong. Mm. A lot of people disagreed with them, but clearly they're they're just shitheads. <laughs> we're voting for the Academy Awards. There are a lot of people taking it really, really seriously. I give Edgar Wright a lot of credit. He says every year he tries to watch every single film. Every single one. Every yeah. single one. And not everyone has the time. I appreciate some people are working in January and February, mm. and they don't have the time to sit down with everything. 
I but get he, that. He takes but, his job as a voter very seriously. And he should, which, and more people should, and uh, I appreciate it every time I find out that they do. And then I find out that some people just fucking don't. Mm. And it pisses me off. But just the level of... The thing that infuriated me more than just people voting with their gut, because I know it's a popularity contest, yeah. was how inarticulate they are about the thing that they do for a living that they ostensibly care about. Mm-hmm. And this is why I feel like, and this is for me in my fantasy world, I think they should allow, and this should be a very small subset, because there are some people who vote for the Academy Awards who are actually agents mm-hmm. and other sort of tangential disciplines. Yeah. That aren't necessarily don't want to have their own Academy Award. There's a very small percentage, but there's a few. I think there should be a small percentage, but a few critics. Absolutely there should be. I think I think we're part of the industry. I do think that listen, you want to argue we're not as important? That's fair. But we're part of it. And I think having a very, very small like you can be as selective as you want. I don't know what the rules are for everybody. I know you have to be sponsored mm-hmm. in order to get in. But I do think that there is something to be said for people from that perspective. And I think the Razzies should definitely mm. have a lot of critics who are actually like trying mm. to not not trying to take this opportunity just well, to dunk on people, mm. but to actually make a statement. If we say this is something that Hollywood did wrong, mm. we mean it. I think critics should be the only voters at the Razzies. Interesting. Um, because if if you're in the industry... If you're working in the industry and you start dunking on these films, that's a little bit of a conflict of interest. If you're voting positive, if you're voting positively for something, then you're just just sort of trying to vaunt your peers and give compliments, and that's well, all acceptable. But the Razzies are voted on necessarily by anyone with any connection mm. to the industry whatsoever, or anyone with any qualifications whatsoever. Just, just a bunch of dudes, yeah. Yeah, you, I, I, there's something like like it's relatively open. Like it's pretty mm. easy to get to become someone who votes for the Razzies. Mm. So it tends to just follow t- certain populist trends. And you also have to ask yourself, who would fight to, to who would go out of their way to vote for the Razzies? Someone mm. who wants to say a movie is shit. Yeah. So you almost have to get the, the people who like, you know, like, yo, we're going like, to, like in the two popes, if you would, the best person to be pope is the person who doesn't want to be pope. Mm. Aha. <laughs> And I feel like that's kind of like the critics who should be hosting the Razzies are the people who don't think we should have the Razzies. <laughs> so if they say something yeah. is bad, they really, really, really get to back it up. Like, some thought we to need that. to make a yeah. st- we need to make a meaningful statement, not a shitty statement, not just an insult, but like this needs to be fixed. Mm-hmm. I feel like that would be the Razzies. Like we're gonna give the, not so much like worst picture, but like worst Oscar category. best director Uh where the fuck are right I mean it's cool that Bong Joon-ho won but like seriously how did that happen this year of all years Uh ridiculous anyway so that's the Academy Awards Uh, we will be back later this week with more stuff Uh, if you want to talk to us about the Academy Awards I'm sure you do uh, you can email us letters at criticallyacclaimed.net we will read your letters as many of them as we can on the next episode of We've Got Mail here Mm -hmm. at the Critically Acclaimed Network uh, we've got canceled too soon. We're doing Hammer House of Horror next on that show, which I'm really digging so far. I'm yeah, really enjoying it. Watch the first six episodes. Yeah, it's great. There's some really good stuff. <laughs> I'm really digging it. Um, so that's an exciting thing I'm looking forward to. You can watch along with that because that's on, if you have an Amazon Prime subscription, mm-hmm. you can watch along with that one. It's on Amazon Prime. Yeah. Uh, also, uh, we got other stuff coming up as well. Uh, more episodes of our Star Trek podcast. All our yesterdays are coming on our Patreon, patreon.com slash critically acclaimed network. Uh, we've decided that 
probably for the whole year, we're going to dedicate the Cancel Too Soon monthly movie, which is a Patreon exclusive, to Disney movies that aren't on Disney+. Plus. That were TV movies. The ones that they're deliberately forgetting about. Mm -hmm. So next up is Parent Trap 2. That'll be fun. Um, (laughs) Let's see what else have we got over there. We got uh, Only the Best, our other Oscars podcast, uh, where we uh, review every single film ever nominated for Best Picture. I think we're on 1938 right now. 1937? 1938. We're on 1938. I've almost seen all the films, so we'll be able to record that pretty soon. And then coming up soon, we've got Episode Zero, our new Star Wars podcast, where we talk about the films that influence Star Wars, not so much Star Wars itself. And if you want to watch along with that, we're going to start off with the Flash Gordon serials from the 1930s. So, (laughs) by all means, check them out uh, and follow along. And, uh, yeah. I think that's it. Patreon exclusives. Mm-hmm. Uh, Twitter. Twitter. We're at Critic Acclaim. Uh, I'm personally at William Bibiani. I'm personally at Whitney Seibold. Yeah. And um, I guess we'd like to thank the Academy and we'll thank all of y'all for listening. And never forget, everyone's a voter. I want to go to the midnight show. I'm sorry, what?